Ahoy! This is Critical Mess. It is episode 25. Podcasts where three dudes rap about movies that critics and audiences don't agree on. I'm Nick Honeywell. I'm here with Grizz Griswold and Brian McCullough. Producer Ben is here. Say what's up, people. What's going on, guys? Hey, Brian McCullough here. Uh, I recently came to the re- realization that since Braveheart is in my top five favorite movies of all time, I'm a boomer. <laughs> there. Congrats, I think. <laughs> and it's producer Ben. Hey. All right. Icebreaker time. So in the spirit of tonight's movie, we are going to talk about one Mr. Tom Hanks. And the question tonight is not what is the best Tom Hanks movie, but what is the best Tom Hanks performance? I think I got this one. I want to start. Uh, and I'll be a little selfish because I'm designing a poster for a uh, the Bigger Picture show. And it is big. I think that performance was incredible. And I forgot how good his acting was in that. Do you want to talk a little bit about Bigger Picture Show? I can, yeah. Uh, Bigger Picture Show is an invitation kind of only thing for designers in indie. Um, all the proceeds, we have 70 artists and 70 movie posters are designed. Um, and then they're auctioned off to benefit the um, uh, Indie Film Fest. So it's a great cause. Yeah, it's really it. cool. Yeah. It's also packed. It's like a fun time. Yeah. And in the background of Brian in my basement is uh, one of the posters from the show last year. So I love it. Which one? Uh, it is The Prestige. Last year was my first time ever going to the Bigger Picture Show. I've known about it for like five years, six years maybe, and I finally went. And number one, boy, did it deliver. And number two, I walked away with two freaking amazing posters. I, I got an Alien poster and a Demolition Man poster, and, and I cannot wait to go back this year. I still believe us three got some of the best posters out of the show. Somehow. Nick, Nick what did you get out of that one? Uh, I got The Thing. The Thing. Which yeah. was super cool. And then I got uh, Predator. Oh, man. Oh, They're man. so good. Yeah. Bunch Maybe I'll take some pictures and I'll post them on our social. Yeah. Yeah. So yours is uh, uh, big, huh? It is. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I've got a nuanced answer here. My favorite scene ever involving Tom Hanks is in The Money Pit uh, when the bathtub falls through the floor <laughs> and he laughs maniacally. Uh, my God. I laugh harder each time I watch that scene and there will be eventually a point where I laugh so hard watching it that I will die. I, there's a, there's a, there's a <laughs> limited number of times I'm allowed to watch that scene for the rest of my life. Man, is that funny? Um, but the best like performance, I, man, I hate to say this cause I really, it's not even like the top 10 movies, but it's, um, I almost said cast away. I mean, that's almost like a, a, a softball, but I'm going to say captain Phillips and maybe it's just cause it surprised me. I was not expecting that movie to be good. And it was it was it was decent, but boy, I really wasn't expecting Tom Hanks because I really haven't liked him since the turn of the century. Um, he's been okay, but he yeah. hasn't done what he did uh, for me earlier, like in A League of Their Own and, and movies like that. So I, I guess I was surprised. And man, if you haven't seen Captain Phillips, you've got to watch it for Tom Hanks' performance, especially like his his very last scene in the movie. It's one of the hardest hitting five minutes uh, of an actor acting I've ever seen. And I know that's a tall order, but if you watch it, you'll know what I mean. I have actually not seen it, so I need that. Check I have, it out. It's on my list. Yeah. Nick? Uh, I got to go with The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing my answer to The Matrix. <laughs> nice. No, I'm going to go total cliche here. Um, the obvious one. I'm going Forrest Gump. Mm. Um, I feel mm. like it's just, it's an immersive character. It's a special character. There aren't many kind of characters that have that just sort of je ne sais quoi. 
hmm. you know, um, this just that kind of allure. You know, you just can't look away from that performance, and it's just really brilliant. So um, I've you, always respected that. I, I cry every time I watch that movie. It's just, wow. real, it's a really good movie. It uh, is really. Do you know good what movie. scene? Uh, no, tell us. It's when he when he meets Please. his son for the first yeah. time, and he doesn't know he's, it's his son, and then when he realizes, mm. oh it, yeah, he's, he's yeah. like processing. Oh yep. man, that's so good. Tear it up right now. Actually, I've it's not I swallowed the whiskey time. a little wrong. Yep. <laughs> 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 Mine's Apollo thirteen. Oh, gosh, I just yeah. I was gonna say I, that's the best movie he's really good in. Choice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. that or I, Saving Private Ryan. It's not yeah. ten things I hate about or ten things. What is it? Not ten things I hate about you. What is it? Um, the fuck, are you talking about? What is that movie? Um, fuck. This we'll, we'll cut all this. The music out. Catch me if you can. No, the that music thing video. you did. That thing you did. <laughs> that's that's ten things. Yeah, God, so close. I was so close as I was trying to Google something real quick for a fact. Ben, no. good call though, man. Yeah. Apollo thirteen. I, when he's up there and he's frozen, and he's mm-hmm. like, "We need those entry angles. We we're getting real cold up here, and then so Earth's getting really big in the window." I'm like, "Yeah." It's like <laughs> he, he's mm. he's panicking, but he's holding it together exactly, and, and yeah. he acts that perfectly. Yeah, I just saw. I was gonna look up Apollo thirteen's on Netflix right now, so I oh, need sweet. to add it to my watch list. That's a rewatchable. Man. We've bought it and watched it thousands and thousands of times. Mm. It's a great movie. Yeah. All right, so we're going to spoil the movie tonight. It came out in 1989, so I hope that's all right. Uh, <laughs> but um, I would also encourage anyone listening to this to watch the film um, before you listen uh, any further in this podcast. I think you'll, you'll probably enjoy it a little bit more. It's or on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, it's on, it's on Netflix. Or don't. Or don't. Don't listen to me. <laughs> uh, so tonight, yes, we are talking about a film from the year of our Lord, 1989. It is The Burbs. The Burbs. A movie I am um, honestly pretty pumped to talk about. Uh, and a movie I wish I'd watched more closely in the past. Um, this movie was a was a solid hit. Um, it cost eighteen million dollars to make, and pulled in about fifty million. So uh, pretty solid, pretty solid. Uh, directed by Joe Dante, who you might know from such films as Gremlins one and two, um, which I think are two. I, I, I dare I say underrated. I still uh, haven't seen two, and you're always talking ooh, about two. It's not I, a very good movie, but yeah, I feel like you always talk about the cover of the movie <laughs> but, being like oh, the really poster. Good or something. Yeah, the yeah, poster. it's the it's the 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 kind of the gremlin, the evil gremlin sitting in the executive chair, yeah. like ashing the cigar on Gizmo's head. It's, <laughs> yes. it's absolutely. <laughs> I just it's bought my brother so for boss. Christmas the uh, the gremlin, like the high detail action figure of the gremlin with like the poker hand and like yeah, the cigarette yeah. and everything. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Gremlins, both one and two. One is a legitimately good movie. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know. Joe Dante, I, I really kind of like this era of, of Joe Dante. He he did he did he did a couple other uh, movies. He he hasn't he didn't do like a ton of huge hits, but other stuff. You know, he did Small Soldiers. Um, he did a he actually did a Looney Tunes movie with uh, Brendan Fraser. Um, I think the '80s and maybe into the start of the '90s is his only era. Yeah, yeah more or less. I mean, he hasn't done anything in a while. I feel like he had a short kind of yeah. career span there. Um. So the writer of this film is Dana Olson. So, and he's written a few other movies that that got produced. Um, probably the most notable being uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, that was in '92, and he also wrote uh, George of the Jungle in '97. So interesting that both uh, Dante and Olson apparently really like working with Brendan Fraser. Um, he also did uh, Inspector Gadget. So he, you know, pretty accomplished uh, writer for this film. Um, this movie's got some famous people in it. I would say uh, Tom Hanks is famous. I would say Carrie Fisher, um, famous. Bruce Dern, Corey Feldman, uh, Rick Ducommon, uh, Henry Gibson, uh, who is really good in this movie. He's he's very fun. Um, I always remember him from uh, Blues Brothers. 
Mm. Um, he's yeah. got a very memorable face. He does. And, and he's just so short, too. Yeah. You know, he's just, yeah, you can't forget that guy. And, and by the way, you're talking about famous people. You said Corey Feldman. He was at the height of his fame. Yeah, that was peak Corey. Movie. I was a little yeah. shocked he was in this for, for yeah. the year this came out and how he, I think popular he, he, he was. He was actually a draw to the movie, if you can believe yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sure that's oh, true. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. More, than, I more sure. than maybe even Tom Hanks, but although I, that might be a stretch. Quick refresher about the um, the criteria for the movies we talk about. Got to be fresh with audiences and rotten with critics or vice versa. Disparity's got to be around 20% or so. We're definitely going to cheat tonight. Um, we're, we're stretching it here. So on Rotten Tomatoes, um, but that's okay because we wanted to talk about this. Um, it's, it's 55% with critics, which makes it rotten, and 71% with audiences. So we've got a 16-point disparity here, so not the biggest. Can I caveat okay. that for a second? When I added this to the list a year ago, it had like a 52 Oh, it's only got um, thir- it's only got forty reviews now. When I added this to the list, it had thirty eight. The most recent two reviews came in retroactively at the end of the year last year, and they were both positive. Huh. So this actually jumped up like three points oh. since we first added it. But since I really wanted to talk about this movie, I just said screw it. We'll Dang, go, I didn't we'll think about the rating stuff. system of how that would scale it if it's a low rated, like not low rated, but the number of votes towards yeah. a critic typically review. typically movies get. These days that come out, big movies have two two hundred plus. Yeah. So one's not going to skew it at all. But yeah. when the movie's got thirty eight, and yeah. then you've got two no positives kidding. come in, yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but no, I no, just no. I wanted to, to at least let our audience know that we're we're not fudging it this this much on purpose. This was a less of a fudge than it is now. Well, here here's another thing. We also really wanted to talk about this movie because three <clears throat> count them three different people asked us to talk about this movie independently, and we listen we listen to our fans absolutely. Okay? And I want this to be proof. <laughs> That we will talk about whatever you want, as long as we also want to talk about it. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> Agreed. True so, words will never spoken. So let, let's let's get into this, guys. Um, so first exposure to this film that came out in 1989, um, and how many how many times have we seen it over the years? I don't remember my first exposure to this movie. It might be the first time I've said that about a movie we've done. Hmm. Um, it was kind of ever present in my life. Matter of fact, Tom Hanks just has been ever present in my life. Money Pit, Big, Burbs, all three of the, these movies, I just, they've always been with me. It's like, it's like a blankie, you know? Mm. I, I don't know when I got the, my blankie, but it's my blankie, and I, I, you know, I sleep with it. I don't have a blankie now. He's, he's America's blankie. I think it's interesting. Like his, yeah, he's a, Tom Hanks is America's blankie. He, he's got to be the perfect definition of like the career man or whatever, like the actor's man. Like he just has grown with every role, and like I feel like it's grown with us. Oh, he's absolutely grown. Yeah. I mean, you, you could argue probably about five years after this, he, he really made the switch when he did Philadelphia to, to sort of the, the dramatic stuff, and he did it, he did it phenomenally. And, um, but yeah, I mean, he's always been with me. The Burbs have always been with me. Um, I've probably seen the movie straight through maybe f- four times, but lots of snippets here and there. Most no, uh, most recently, uh, two nights ago. Hmm. Chris, uh, first time watching this was last night. Wow! So I, I've cool. known, I've heard wow. references from different interviews and different actors and stuff over the years. I've seen maybe two scenes out of this entire movie in like clips or snippets on social media over the years, as like memes or gifs. But yeah, first time last night. Oh, this is wow. great! Crazy. And I will say, I have certainly, you know, quote unquote, seen this movie before, but I'm not sure I've ever just like, you know, put the DVD in and just watched it start to finish. This movie was on all the time. Um, Grizz, what's so funny? <laughs> put the DVD in. <laughs> oh, this movie came out in 1989, buddy. It's been on DVD for a long time. What is it? You got it. Uh, okay. Sorry. As Sorry. I stream this on our giant ass TV from Netflix. <laughs> I love it. Anyways, physical yes. media boys out DVD, there. DVD, yes. 
Physical, but I, physical media forever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yes, that is, a, that is so true, Ben. But um, I'm gonna say I think two nights ago was the first time I watched this movie intentionally. Sure, sure. Mm. Well, and yeah, and I so yeah, so I, I don't think I've ever really watched it start to finish. Now this movie was on. This movie was highly. I feel like it was highly syndicated. I feel like mm-hmm. this movie was on TV a lot, like on like on like Fox on like a Sunday afternoon, like a, in like, you know, 1998, you know, because like, when you add in commercials, it comes right in at two hours, yep, which is perfect yep, for cable. Yep, easy yep. to edit for TV. Yep. Mm. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I watched it really intentionally for the first time last night, though. I will say I like start to finish. I, I certainly hadn't hadn't watched it with this sort of depth before. So and I, I appreciated getting the chance to do that. So. All right. So this is uh, Critical Mess. If you didn't already know, we're talking about the burbs. Um, sponsored tonight. Um, we we would like to be sponsored by Old Elk tonight, um, but we could not find any <laughs> Old Elk tonight. Such a shame. So that yeah. was I just want to say that was devastating. That was de- devastating to the to the crew here at Critical Mess. And so Old Elk, um, just a beautiful whiskey, an ambrosial whiskey, I believe, is what I typically mm, call it. Yeah. Sadly, not our sponsor. Tonight. We checked it several places. Several places. We hope they'll be back. Um, but I just wanted to emphasize how devastated we are by that. But uh, so tonight, though, we are actually sponsored by the um, the beautifully named Heaven Hill, um, a family-owned business. Did you hear that? Mm. It's a family-owned business. Love I love love to hear it. Not a bunch mm. of corporate guys. Love to hear right, it. Right over at Heaven Hill. <laughs> uh, you know, this is bottled uh, bottled in bond. It's mm. Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Um, it's a healthy seven years old. I don't know if I can say if it's as delicious as Old Elk. But if I keep drinking it, it might be. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, um, so big thanks to Heaven Hill. It's it, it's real good. I'll mm. give you that. It's, it's not real bad. Real good. It's definitely not bad. It's delicious. Uh, all right, gentlemen, shall we rate this film? We shall. Rate we sh- it. We should. Uh, I'll go first. <laughs> um, I'm going eighty. Ooh. Great score. Little synopsis. I was kind of hoping. No, I, I don't no. really have much to say. I mean, I do have a lot to say later, but as far as just why that's my rating, <clears throat> I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it at 80. Let's go. No follow ups. Yeah. We're close. We're close. Yeah. Yeah, real close. 82. You tried to pull one oh, over on me again, you son of a bitch. Close. You slide. You are you're, you're, up you're, you're practicing up for yet. poker this weekend, aren't you? You are playing your 82 poker. 82 is my vote on this. It was outrageously enjoyable. Um, first time watch. Uh, Gosh dang it! I just I really like this movie. That makes me so happy that someone yeah. who did not grow up with the movie st- still gives it an eighty-two. That's awesome. yeah. I mean, it's uh, I don't I I'm gonna butcher his name, but Rick uh, Ducumin. Yeah, the I think actor. So. Yep. Yeah. So he was in Blank Check. Yes, that is yeah. the only other movie Blank I know Check. him from. And I had just watched that with Crosby this last week, and I was like, dude, this guy is funny as hell. Now he's and, in the greatest movie of all time. What movie is that? Oh boy! Which we just celebrated its its namesake holiday last Friday. Oh yeah, Groundhog Day, number one movie, my favorite movie I was about of all to say, time. What? Who is he in Die Hard? <laughs> <laughs> I was he, thinking Matrix. He was in. He was one of the two guys in the in the, in the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. Oh um, my god! I probably missed that. That's him, right? I don't know. It's, gotta be it's him. your favorite movie. You tell us. I well, think you guys I, are all giving me blank stares. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm wondering. But yes, this is the only other movie I can actually remember that he was in vividly. And like he is the exact same. He's funniest. He's just funny as hell, man. It's so good. I love it. All right, 82. He's perfectly cast. Yes, absolutely. Well, guys, I think you all be delighted to hear that I'm at an 83. <gasps> Oh, oh damn! Oh, oh shoot! Yeah, 
baby. So close. Well, we are all within three points. Oh, that is, that's got to be our closest. Pretty please, good. Please don't turn the podcast off. I have a fun Brian. No, yeah, corner. we'll yeah we'll still have fun with this. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a perfect movie. We're gonna break this shit down. 80, 82, 83. That is a. Is that our closest? It's got to be. It's got to be three close. points. That's Everyone really within three. Close. Yeah, ben, bring close. us down a little bit. Where are you at? Oh, 70. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. okay. It's, not it's bad. respectable. Yeah, respectable. Yeah. I like it. By the way, yes, he is Gus in Groundhog Day. Confirmed. Cool. Okay, Good. cool. All right. All right. Brian, Grizz, Ben, we're here. We're talking about the burbs. And now we're going to unpack a little bit about why critics and audiences do not agree on this film. And uh, generally, you know, uh, Brian's the, the expert on, uh, on the reviews, so... Mm. What 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 did they have to say? What did the critics have to say? Or I just spent forty five minutes going and finding five. But that's thank you for forty five minutes more than I spent. That's a long time, actually. I probably <laughs> could have been completing a deliverable. Um, let's just be honest here, though. The, the discrepancy is not that huge, so we're not going to find you know uh, uh, one voice from the critics and one from the audience. I mean, it's a six out of ten from the critics, seven point six out of ten from the audience. Definitely still different there. And I think we can explore and we will um, find some some reasons to back that up. But uh, if you look at the uh, consensus from the critics, it says the Burbs has an engaging premise, likable cast, and Joe Dante at the helm. So the mixed-up genre exercise they produce can't help but feel like a disappointment. So a little bit of um, sort of higher expectations because of the talent that's involved there, I suppose. Because, you know, this did come after the Gremlins. Um, uh, and after, so Joe Dante's established. Tom Hanks is established. We talked about Carrie Fisher. She's big. Um, Corey Feldman's at the. I mean, there, there's talent here. You know, this isn't just like a, an upstart movie that no one's no one's heard of any of the talent involved with it. So maybe that consensus speaks a little to that. Gene Siskel, uh, Chicago Tribune says, the script would like to be a horror film, a comedy, and a commentary on suburban living, but it doesn't hit any target. Does it miss all three? That's kind of why I did a seventy. Hmm. I I feel like it wasn't one genre or the other. It kind of was. Like a mix of all three, and yeah, like, sure. So you have like really didn't dark deliver. comedy, horror comedy, Gosh, slash horror comedy slapstick. Would you, would, Ben? Would you say it misses all three of those, or it doesn't? It only hits one or two of them, or I would say it does all three of them, but it doesn't excel in any one of those three, which okay. would make sure. my score higher. Sure, sure. I just thought I thought it towed the line really nicely in a way that very few movies can pull off. I guess in terms of genre bending a little bit, mm -hmm. like yeah. I mean. Having having kind of this much fun with sort of a pretty dark premise, you just don't find that all that often. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Hal, 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 Hat? Hal. Hal Henson, Washington Post. Hat Henson. <laughs> Hat Henson, Washington Post. I, I didn't bring my readers. <laughs> Why is it not funny? It's just not. Not remotely, momentarily, intermittently or otherwise funny. Well, Hat Henson can just go fuck himself. Is, is it funny, guys? <laughs> yeah, eat shit. That's just ridiculous. Yes, it's funny, it's, right? It's very funny. It's yeah. very funny. Now, I it's not, now, I wouldn't say it's like over the top, you know, gut splitting every five minutes. Like, not that kind of funny, but it's got some good, subtle, and smart, and some slapstick w Would humor. you say it's at least intermittently funny? Absolutely. <laughs> what, yeah. very least. It's interesting yeah, that, like, Nick, you said this is like the first time, or maybe it was you, Brian. Like, you talked about how you, this is the first time you watched it with intent. Mm -hmm. rather than casually just watching it. And I think if I just casually watched this on like a Thursday night and had it on the background or like I was intently watching this and I was amused through so much of this. And as somebody that lived in the suburbs and lived in a neighborhood and like the things they're doing, the things they brag about, the things they talk about, it's just, it's so on point. 
and it's so funny to me like the things they say it's Oh, I, and I think it, I think the comedy not not only is it it does it have it's definitely funny moments and it's very funny and when it's funny it's very funny but I think the the, the comedic scenes are spaced really well and I think it's it never drags and the, the pacing's great and I kind of have my five funniest moments here and I I, I feel like I, I haven't analyzed it but I feel like they're all spread out by like twenty three minutes exactly like it's, mm-hmm. I, you know I, we'll maybe dig into this a little bit more but I uh, the pacing in this movie is great mm-hmm. it's yeah. very well totally paced. agree yeah the only place I would have a, a hark was when they get in the the uh, what was the name of the crazy neighbor's house? Uh, the Clopex. Clo- yeah. yeah. So when they get into that house, that felt a little like a drag to me. And outside of that, everything else felt perfectly paced. Oh, one of my favorite scenes. But I, I think love the, tension, the dialogue. But the, the dialogue was scene. so oh, good. When you think God. about the scenes, like the conversations they're having, like, ah, oh, it's the, so the good. Sardine. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. the sardine. Yes, the sardine is brilliant. Roger Ebert, a long shaggy dog story. Did this evoke Scooby-Doo vibes to you guys? No, and, is that the and I know, and I saw his review. I think it was a two out of four, yep. I believe, mm-hmm. which I kind of am a, honestly a little surprised by yeah. because Ebert and I generally are on the same page. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. I don't even know. No, I don't. Don't you think that. he's maybe just saying they're like, there's not much to this. It's just a, it's just a, a Scooby Doo caper, just a I mystery. Guess, yeah, yeah. And I disagree. I think there's, there's, I don't think there's a lot more to it. And there. Well, sorry, but I think it's it's got a lot of other good elements to it, it. and there and there are, for the record, a lot of dogs in this movie, which I enjoy. Is that what he's getting at? Am I, I don't think so. No. Okay, you think Scooby Doo, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, not <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot of dogs, and I like dogs. Isn't there a per, is there a person in Scooby Doo named Shaggy, or did I make that up? There is. Yeah, yeah, Shaggy, right. yeah, right. the guy that's that Shaggy dog. Isn't he the, just he's re- the Matthew Lillard okay. character, right? Yeah. Is there also a dog in Scooby Doo? Yeah. Yeah, Scooby Doo. But it's not Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! That's not, <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, it's, okay, I'm second guessing everything I know about Scooby Doo because I haven't visited let's, that. Let's franchise. keep that running tonight. Let's keep him second guessing because I think it's fun. I'm really second guessing myself tonight. Uh, David Kerr, Chicago Tribune. Again, a lot of Chicago reviews here. The Burbs doesn't quite go the distance, but for most of its length, it is a superbly inventive, insightful, and funny black comedy. Does it go the distance? I think so. I think it absolutely does. Grizz, does this go the distance? I think so. Okay. I love. I mean, eighty-two is that's a high score for. But I guess I just down. mean like, does it like does does the movie fall off at a certain point? I guess maybe no. Like, no, like yeah, I just I said, like so outside of that one moment where I felt like it was dragging just for a moment, but I still thought the the jokes were just as pungent and they were just as funny and like I thought it was great. But uh, outside of that, I thought the pacing was awesome. I agree. I think it goes the distance. Yeah, yeah. It is the movie is Brie Fontaine going the distance. It's also nice. an hour forty. Like it's yeah. a short movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it very so, like very digestible. To not go the distance and be an hour and forty. minutes. It's an it's hour like, and forty, and it seems like an hour and twenty to be honest. Right. Which is yeah, it goes good, quick. Uh, which is a compliment. Last one, Kim Newman, Empire Magazine. It fumbles at the last moment, but this is still mainly a pleasantly nasty delight that was strangely overlooked in the cinema. Is the Burbs overlooked? Uh, well, I just want to say how much I disagree with the first part of that review. Uh-huh. Hmm. Fumbles at the last moment? Uh-huh. I thought the last moment was fucking great. All yeah. right, so yeah, th- we'll, maybe we'll talk about that later, or maybe we can talk about it now, but I think that might be why critics had the biggest issue with this film. You think how it ended, the absurdity of it, maybe? No, not even the absurdity of it. I think it was the false... Uh, the twist, maybe? The, yeah, I the think reveal? It, yeah, I think it was the, the false... Uh, like Indian, like the fault, like he had this big moment where he had this big speech and that was Tom Hanks time to shine. And then they pulled the whole idea out from under. He had that big thing about like, you guys are idiots. Like what the fuck I've been doing, going down this whole path, this whole movie, this whole, like this whole week I've been going down this path. You've been convincing me of this and you've been convincing of this. And we've 
blown up a neighbor's house and for no reason. And then they immediately pull I, that out. I love how and the I movie thought just it, subverts that immediately. And I thought it was I awesome. I think that yeah. is brilliant. I, I love it. Was, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, but I, I loved it, but it I think that. that's why critics had issues Agreed. with it. Yeah. Perfect. So, well said, yeah. Chris. Sure. I, I think you are right, and I think that those last couple of reviews there speak to that. So yeah. th- those are the, the critics' reviews. That's sadly I, what I read, what, one, two, three. I read five of them, so I read one-eighth of the entire reviews that are published on Rotten Tomatoes there for you. Can, um, can I point out one thing just real fast? I, you know, I, I think that just I just want to say comedies in general just don't fare well with critics. Uh, yeah, you're period. right. You're right. You know, and that just is what it is. Because of the comedies we've done, ha- have we ever had a favorable critic comedy? No, because favorable critic comedies fucking suck usually. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They're usually, do. just kind of these blowhard, pretentious. If you're films. listening, find us on Instagram at Critical Mess Crew. Yeah, and I let us know right. a movie that had a high critic. Yeah, let's yeah. Great. good comedy back that's that fresh. Yeah. yeah, back us up. I'm on sure this. they exist, but find give us, give us a couple. Yeah, yeah. give us one. Um, audience reviews. I'll like. I'll likewise <laughs> read just a few of these. Barbara H. It was funny and. Sa- By the way, guys, I, I'm vibing with our audience tonight. I I these guys are 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 just like little like cutie like cutie little perfect little buddies of mine i want to be friends with all my little <laughs> audience little buddy cute people here okay barbara h it was funny and silly something to cheer you up on a gloomy day don't you just love barbara h yeah barb's fun she you gave like, it a seven out yeah. of ten but still you know favorable i like you barb i think so i think this would cheer me up on a gloomy day yeah mm. I, I had the same score so yeah there you go yeah, per- yeah so you're vibing with that karen yeah. O. one of my all-time favorite tom hanks movies 10 out of 10 wow wow that's a hot take there's a a lot of Tom Hanks movies, and for this to be someone's favorite, yeah, yeah, you're wrong, but g- great try. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love you, audience, th- this week. I'm not going to hate on you at all. David S., quite possibly the best comedy ever made. 10 out of 10. Oof. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good comedy. Yeah, best? That's tough. At least there's the quite possibly. Hmm. He leaves it open. Uh, Dave, uh, I read David S. Barry P. This was an incredibly underrated movie. Very funny. Tom Hanks at his comedic best. Is this Tom Hanks at his comedic Ooh. best? Mm. No. Well, is it? Yeah, Money Pit's probably Money better. Pit. I, uh, yeah, I need to watch I Money Pit. I think it is. Did that come out after this? Before? Uh, after. Uh, ooh, it was this real out, close. I know the dates real on this because I looked range, up. It was in that sort of range of, uh, of Ben. You were talking about like that. that yeah. Um, sort of. So the Burbs came run. out in February of '89. And then I only had big as 86 June of came out. It came out before this. Okay, okay. a couple years before. I felt this one felt strange. I feel like he I don't I don't think this is the a good Tom Hanks performance, but it was very funny. And I think overall the like the cast, the overall cast was very funny in this. Yeah, he definitely doesn't steal the show. No, he doesn't. Yeah. But he I absolutely think, gets the job done. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was his character was written such that he was not supposed to steal the show. He yeah. was sort of the Agreed. anchor here. Yep. Yeah. And still funny, which I, you, only Tom Hanks can pull that off. I know. It, it's funny that you say anchor for Tom Hanks. Do you, Corey Feldman, does, is it weird that he felt like the narrator for this film? Because he does look at the camera a few times. Yeah, he breaks fourth wall a few times. Yeah. Do you guys remember the scene? I know we're going to do all, all the scenes yeah. later, but but yeah, we did, we did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and he's the voice of Donatello, right? I and that came out that. in, what, 89? So yeah. is this the same year? Okay, yep. do you guys year. remember this? He's like, pizza dude. He's like, <laughs> yeah. he's just Donatello yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. in this funny. movie. Uh, Charles B. I'd watch it again just to see Wendy Scholl in the gardening scene. Lots of fun otherwise. It's a movie. It's not supposed to be like real life. Some people need to get a life. Have fun and laugh. That's what you get with the burbs if you aren't wound too tight. 
Nine out of ten. Hmm. Good job, Charles. Okay. Solid. <laughs> Andrew M., are you kidding? One of the greatest comedies ever made. Drop Mike, walk away. Ten out of ten. Bold. I, think, I think it's a stretch to call this one of the greatest comedies ever made. Yeah, I think move. this is a great comedy, though. <laughs> yeah. Agree. Agree. Jonathan M., it's mostly really dumb. Four out of ten. <laughs> Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Dark OP, one of the most timeless and entertaining classics, showcasing some of the best comedy and storytelling that we've seen in the movies of that era, but also compared to today's movies, its lens on the suburbs and how people within can become obsessed with the actions of neighbors rather than bringing people together is what makes this place, this piece timeless and relevant today. This guy went deep with it. And I think you're getting into themes now. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. he hits the mark. 10 yeah. out of 10. Yeah. So audience is either oscillating between this being a really funny comedy or loving Tom Hanks or liking where this, how this is touching the themes this is touching on. So I, th- I would say that's our sort of, we've kind of dissected the difference here. Critics aren't looking at that stuff. They're looking at deep profundity and the audience is going, I had a great time with this. There are a lot of reasons to love this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I 100% yeah. agree with yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're not usually the reasons that I rate movies highly, which is why I this movie kind of broke my brain a little bit. Can I read out uh, just Tom Hanks' 80s run? Let's hear yeah, the run. Yeah, please. Yeah, we got to hear this. So he starts off with... The Love Boat, Bosom Buddies, and Taxi, and Happy Days. He's in a few. He's in one episode. Yeah. Starts hot. Yeah, starts hot. Then he does Splash, Family Ties, Bachelor Party, Money Pit, Dragnet, Big, The Burbs, Turner and Hooch, and then ends ends the ninety or ends the eighties in Joe versus the Volcano. Mm. I, I totally forgot about Bachelor Party. Yeah, that is a actually I haven't a pretty seen that one. fun movie. Yeah, it is a fun movie. <laughs> I just fun watched it movie. recently. Yeah. Is Joe versus the volcano another Joe Dante or no? I don't know. I don't think. Or am I just so? Yeah, I don't. Am think I just so. saying both of them are start with Joe? Uh, John Stan, John Patrick Shanley. Okay. Um, yeah, that is quite a run, and boy, Money Pit is really early in his career. Yeah. Earlier than I thought. Super. Yeah. Yeah, he was on a tear. He was on a tear in the nineties. In the you can and he exploded in the nineties. I mean, his nineties yeah. filmography. The 90s are his best decade. Did he have, what was it, like 95 or 96 was like a massive year where he had two or three films come out that were just huge. It was like Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump would have been 94. Paul 13 would have been like the next year. Yeah. Philadelphia. 94, Forrest Gump. 95, Apollo 13. Turn of the century. 95, Toy Story. 96, That Thing You Do. Mm, 98, Saving Private Ryan. 98, You've Got Mail. 99, Toy Story 2. Wow. Uh, 99, Green Mile. When, when was 2000 Castaway? Shit. When was Philadelphia? Was that before all that? That 90, was 93. 93. Yeah. yeah. That, okay. Oh my God. He's got like an all timer in almost every year of yeah. the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. 93 Impressive. was Philadelphia. Forrest Gump was 94. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Sleepless in Seattle, 93. League of Their Own, 92. Oh God. Wow. Prolific. Right. Yeah. Like his, his catalog. He's, he's an American is, treasure. Comedy, sci fi. Yeah. He's America's Blanky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. America's Blanky. Yeah. Or Binky. As I might call it. <laughs> Speaking okay. of binky, I'm going to take a nice pull of my binky here. Mm-mm. Yeah, who are we sponsored by tonight? It's not Heaven. Old Elk, which sucks. 
we're not happy about that. But we almost um, canceled the podcast. I know we really did. We almost <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah took I even took a last minute home. trip to the liquor store just to make sure. And sure enough, empty shelf. It's okay, mm-hmm. but we are sponsored by Heaven Hill, and you know it's bottled in Bond, and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. And Heaven Hill should know if we can't find Old Elk, we've got nine hundred other bourbons to choose from, and we. We choose Heaven Hill. Yes, yeah. best watch your back, old milk. It's a family-owned business. It's a family-owned business. There's we don't do that this corporate, corporate bullshit at Heaven Hill, so we respect that. Heaven Hill, call us. <laughs> um, okay, so let's flip that script. Let's flip that script. We all like this movie a lot. What was wrong with this movie? Um, I'll start with a, just a couple quick things, I guess. Honestly, guys, I, I, I really struggle with this. I like this movie a lot. I like most everything about this movie. Um, let me nitpick a little bit. You know, I thought, you know, as, as Brian, you said kind of earlier, uh, you know, Corey Feldman was kind of at peak star power at this at this point. And I kind of felt like his character was definitely the least interesting um, and least developed of all the neighborhood characters. And that was OK. That didn't really bother me that much. But I just thought that was kind of interesting how you've got this really um, kind of hot star, right? Kind of at the peak peak of their power, and they're just kind of this sort of side character that doesn't really do anything except sort of observe the plot. Um, so yeah, he wasn't at like he wasn't didn't go in the clopex with with them during that whole sequence. He wasn't on screen for a lot of the like kind of major set pieces. He was kind of either off screen or cheering, you know. Yeah. So and he didn't really move anything forward, yeah. or he was just kind of there. Just for, added to the vibe. The yeah, like I said, I think there. he was the narrator for this film. Like he just he literally told stories about like to his girlfriend or like his love interest, or, like whatever the girl is he brought over, and he put the lawn chairs out front. He's like, all right. That over there is so and so, and this is his backstory. This is so and so, and this is his backstory. Yeah, yeah. So. I think you take it. You're right. You take him out of the movie. You have yeah. basically the same movie. Yeah. You yeah. take Bruce Dern out. Totally different. Totally. You, pray, different. you take um, Art out. Totally different. Yep. You take Tommy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so even 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 uh, Carrie Fisher. She's she she needs to be in this movie. You yep. know what I mean? So. Yep. Uh, another little thing. I mean, I thought I. You know, kind of the Hans character. I wanted more out of that character. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, he Which was, one was Hans? He was kind of, he was like the younger guy, the youngest kid at, yeah. at, the, at the house. Like, <laughs> oh, I mean, he was good, but I was like, give me some more Hans. Yeah, like Hans, Hans, he was a little, yeah. yeah, he was a little edgy. Yeah, Hans was. What yeah, do you call him at the end? Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was more to explore there. I I thought. I know, honestly maybe. forgot he was in the movie for yeah, a second. I like, I, yeah, yeah. He shows at the beginning, maybe once in the middle, and once at the end. That's it. And I, I'll, I guess I'll just say one more thing, and this is just a little thing, but for whatever reason, and I can't quite put my finger on it, this movie did not, for all its efforts, feel like all that much of like a real, real neighborhood. It kind of felt like a movie set, like oh, just totally. the whole time. It like was I just, so I knew I was movie on a movie set, set the whole time, and yeah. I, I don't even have that big of a problem with that. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it too, but yeah. it also was, I'm not sure it's a good thing. I, I agreed. Just because I liked it doesn't mean they did that intentionally. Yeah. It means they had a low budget and they had to shoot it on a back lot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It looks exactly. and feels like a back lot. The harsh, harsh lighting that looks super directional. Like the, it's, the, the, it's the, the lampposts every 20 feet, feet like no, no, yeah. one, no street has right. that many. Yeah, no, I'm know. lucky to have one on my cul-de-sac. I know. I live yeah. in a really nice neighborhood. <laughs> right. We've got like four total. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to kind of suspend your disbelief in this movie. But I don't, that doesn't really bother me that much. So, yeah, guys, uh, flip, please, flip it. Um, I'm going to go, I've just got, it took me 20 minutes to come up with it. I honestly was going to come in tonight going, guys, I can't flip the script. But then I realized I'd lose all credibility as a, as a, as a critical thinker. So I, I had to drum something up. So, number one, the nightmare sequence went on too long. Yeah. I, I agree with <clears> that. Okay. Number two, the plot is just absurd. And 
I don't know how I feel about that. But I will say that I can see myself on another movie that I didn't like chastising it for having such an absurd plot. And so that's why I'm putting this in here. I, I, I have to say, I think the absurdity is, I like the absurdity. I, and I did too. I did yeah. too. But I, I guess I'm saying like, I'm, ch- I'm checking myself because maybe mm. on another movie, I would say it's too I, I could see how you could argue with the other Like way. the end, how he's in the yeah. ambulance and he, t- you know, and the, 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 I don't know, a little bit. But it's ridiculous. It took off half a point. Um, the characters are somewhat shallow, actually. That is, and that is a, a serious one here. I think if you go more complex characters, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bust out another movie that's widely um, uh, not liked, but I un- unabashedly like it. Nothing but trouble. There's a lot of problems. Why did with that I know movie. you were gonna bring this movie? Up? There's <laughs> a lot of problems. This movie, with that movie has a kind of a vibe that's a, a little, little bit. bit similar to that movie, but that movie's a fucking smoldering pile of shit. But and this I, movie is a masterpiece, right? But, almost. Uh, yes. No. Th- this movie's better than that movie. Um, that movie's not a smoldering pile of shit. But I, I, uh, but also mm. it is. <laughs> like I can totally see it. It is. But listen, I'm here's why I bring that movie up. Okay, the movie's even like an order of magnitude more absurd than this, right? But John Candy, his character in that movie, he's a conflicted. He's like a he's like a stalwart, like follower of of of, judge, of the judge, and he you know he's following the rules, and then he like he has this this he kind of had this inner turmoil, and he sort of can can has has like grace for these people they've captured, and he like has this huge character arc where he like helps him escape to his peril at the end. I'm not I don't know how you would have written that in here, but I'm saying there's a, a dumb movie with a with a, a character who elevated the movie to me, and I, and I challenge you if you ever do rewatch the movie, pay attention to his character. It's actually sure. really well written. Um, but I, I think that um, if this movie had somebody like that that had a really good arc or somebody that was compelling, I would not be saying the characters are yeah, shallow. Yeah, so. I get that. I, I, that's just so weird you brought that movie up because there really was... When I watched this last night, there is a weird parallel. I wonder what it is. It's just like the dark are there comedy. Any, They're just are there same any era, dark I guess comedies. same era. They, look, they look, kind of look they the do, same. They do. They feel the same. They both feel like, you know, kind of what we were talking about. They feel like movies, like they're shot on a set somehow. You know, they just don't... I I don't know. They have a they have a similar vibe in some way, although one is really good and one is not, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I just characters are shallow here. You know, yeah. you've got one one guy that's got somewhat of an arc, but everyone else is just caricatures. And actually, I think not to belabor this point, but I, I wonder if that would actually take away from the movie if it did go into com- more deeper complex things. I don't even know how it would have done it. But I'm just I'm just throwing that we, out there. You yeah, also do tough. get a lot of characters here, right? You I get mean, a lot. You, yeah. And that's, you know, that you know, there's something to be said for that, I guess. Yeah, but you can't develop you them can't that deeply explore. when you have that many. Yep. Yeah, that's true. And the last one I'll say is, um, it I, honestly, the movie doesn't really do a lot. It's kind of a simplistic movie. Um, again, guys, I'm grasping at straws. I, yeah. I don't know how else to flip the script. I think uh, the only thing I could flip is maybe the use of Carrie Fisher. I think she was underutilized in this film, but she was also like just beat up as like the wife. Like Tom Hanks was a dick to her the whole every time they seem to have like some weird like back and forth the whole movie but also the um the thing that like i was kind of more curious about like his job like what did he do at his work that he need to have take a week off or two weeks off to force himself out of working i don't think it had to it's i don't think it really matters what his job was no but i thought that was a weird like what was it that happened that made him and his wife have such a weird back and forth 
in all the scenes they have. I think he is such a sort of a a a, a not like such a, a bummer of a guy. Yeah, he's it seems a, he's strange. A, he just goes to work and does his job and doesn't really. I almost feel like he was sort of forced to take this time off. Yeah, he absolutely. Clearly didn't want to go relax at the lake. He just wanted to be home, which is lame. I, Guys, I, I I really identified a lot with his character. I, I, I think he was very purposeful. He was like yeah. he was just every man. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. was just the he was just kind of you. You know, or the dude you know, or your buddy. Yep. You know, he was just the everyman. For yeah. sure. The most grounded character in the movie, we can say. So you're saying Carrie Fisher underutilized a little bit. I think so, okay. yeah. All right. Yeah. Shall we move on to themes? Let's move on. Okay, themes. Uh, you know, I'll give a quick start here. I, I don't have anything too profound, um, but there's something in the in the theme world with this movie that, I, I, I'm not saying this is like may, maybe the main theme, but definitely a, a strong theme is about kind of like, gossip and like the kind of like the power of rumors and like literally have gossip written down yeah my theme. i mean that's like a it's it's very interesting how you can kind of like imagine these fantastical situations just based on all these you know weird little gossip facts you know and that's kind of what this movie is all about this sort of snowball effect with gossip and right? uh, boy that's a great theme and living in a in a neighborhood with a very particular hoa my wife being on uh the secretary of that oh shoot um Holy shit, the drama that takes oh, place sure. and yeah. the gossip that takes <clears throat> place. And it's actually really entertaining, but it can it, but it can go to a dark place if you've got neighbors yeah. turning on each other. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. We've had a lot of crazy ass stories yeah. from this neighborhood, and it's only five years old. It's insane. So yeah, there's so there's something there thematically. Um and the other one I'll say is there's also some sort of thematic around sort of like um like sort of conformity and sort of like, you know, kind of pressure to sort of like know your neighbors and like, and to be kind of part of the group. You know what I mean? Like you've kind of got these neighbors that move in that don't want to be part of the kind of the club of the neighborhood. And it's kind of all about how these people are trying to kind of get them in the club or pin them as murderers. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's no in between. Right, right, right. So that yeah, I think they were just the. I think these characters, all these characters, especially Art and um, I'm spacing the other guy's name, the military guy, um, Rumsfeld. Mark, Rumsfeld. yeah, Rumsfeld. So I think those two characters were just an extreme version of a neighbor you might see that like kind of eggs you on to go and do this thing or go and whatever. And I've had shenanigans with my neighbors over the last few years, and it's it's a blast, but it's it's hilarious how far some of them will mm-hmm. go. And this is just to the nth degree. In comparison to that, we all have neighbors like these guys. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah. I and I had my my other, uh, only other one I had here was um, hypocritical judgment, kind of, and that speaks to mm. the second one that you said. It's I, I I guess it's the same. It's a raised speech at the end really speaks to it. Yeah. yeah. You know the, the normal people, as it were, uh, being really worse than the crazy people. You know, so it's sort of that that we're, we're judging these people, but really we're we should turn the the judgment on ourselves because we're the ones that went in and like <laughs> burnt these people's house down. You know. Right. But okay. So. Gosh, I want to get into this now because I want to talk about arcs, right? Mm-hmm. And here's one of the things I really love about this movie and getting back to that speech, right? That's kind of when Tom Hanks, you know, sort of comes full circle, yep. I guess, yep. right? And I kind of love how it's like sort of an, it becomes sort of an inauthentic full circle based on what the actual outcome of the film is, that these people are actually killers. That's what <laughs> is that killers. genius? Is that genius? I or is think that just, so. Yeah, okay. I thought it was brilliant. I think it is. I'd like to think so too. 
I then do. He, as the uh, the doctor, as they said, like slowly just shows up in the ambulance at the end. Yeah. I, I just think so it's good. great. It just subverts everything. I I love how it's like okay, we put a button on this, we put a nice little moral on the story and a little societal commentary. Oh no, actually no, no, these people are fucking. Murders. You know what's funny? I was thinking about this. <laughs> Look movie. at them yeah. when, when yeah. we were doing Leave the World Behind, and you were talking about how um, Mahershala Ali and and his daughter came in, and it was so obvious that the movie was trying to set them up to be bad and then so we knew that they wouldn't be and I think I made a comment to where I had seen movies to where they did that but then they actually did end up being it's like they're so obviously bad that they can't be bad but then they do end up being bad yeah don't judge so, a book. but that's so rare well and maybe maybe I just grew up with this movie and thought it was more common than it is sure but I, this was the movie I was thinking of when I said that um all right critical mess the burbs Brian Grizz Ben da burbs <laughs> uh, so <laughs> cut that bin we'll have t-shirts available no, no i'm not cutting that. cut nothing um fuck it we'll do it live all right um uh what, what's the time for now brian's corner i think it's time for brian's corner let's visit here we are ready okay because i don't have my headphones so i couldn't hear when the ended all right hey everybody welcome to brian's corner um i want to talk about single location movies tonight uh the burbs is interesting because the entire movie takes place in one cul-de-sac. The, so you could argue that's a single location or not. I think it is. I think because they establish, they start the movie exterior and they show the houses. And I, to me, the location is the street with the houses around it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And they never cut away to the Clopex at what, wherever they're going, or Carrie Fisher going to the, the her sisters or whatever it is. The entire movie takes place here. You never see Ray and Art like walking through a Walmart talking about their suspicions. Yada yada. Love it. I love. It. And I and I think that's one of the reasons this movie stuck with me because, um, you know, the setting being one setting, um, makes the story and the characters shine, and the situations shine. And there are a lot of other really good movies that do that. And I realize that the reason they're good is, or the reason they stick with me is because they're in a single location. So I'm going to, re- I'm going to um, just read my 10 favorite single location movies uh, that I've seen and kind of get your um, agree, disagree, or if there's any I miss. So uh, single location films, my 10th favorite is a movie called Coherence, 2013 Coherence. Have you guys seen this movie? Nope. The Never. entire thing is set at one dinner party. Good movie. Take a look. Um, sci-fi, weird, kind of absurd movie. Number nine, The Invitation. Kind of a very similar movie. 2015, anybody? The Invitation? Mm. Nope. Okay, there's, nope. One, there's, <laughs> guys, there's one... Two list, for two, there's buddy. One, there's one listener out there going, yeah, yes! <laughs> this fucking dude gets it! Uh, that one also said at a dinner party. Uh, number eight, movie called The Platform, 2019. I've seen that one, and yes, I liked it. Yep. Yeah. Not a, nothing. Did, did that not stick with you? Um, I thought it was just a super cool idea. Yeah, I yeah. don't know that it like really stuck. It might stuck only for like a day. Okay, sure. That one I always think about that movie. It's set in a, a vertical self management center. It's like a future. It's like a uh, post apocalyptic future dist- dispo- dystopian. But it's a really good like high concept. Very good high yeah. concept. Uh, number seven. Okay, we're finally going to something maybe some people have heard of. Uh, 1948 film called Rope. It's a Hitchcock movie. Love that movie. Yeah, obviously classic. Yeah. No clue. Uh, the, the whole watch set, yeah. it's, it's set in an apartment. I won't spoil it for you, but um, it's uh, it's it, the whole thing's in one apartment, and it's there's like this heinous crime that's that's mm. taken place. But a really good single location film. Number six, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, takes place in a bunker. I actually haven't seen it. John Goodman. Yeah. I yeah, I enjoyed that one. I remember it. Very good, very good movie. Um, and I put an asterisk on that one because at the end of the movie they actually do leave the bunker, and there's like one scene that takes place right outside of it. So technically. It's not a single location, but it, it really is, though. Yeah. Uh, number five, The Guilty, 
2018. There's a remake by um, Antoine Fuqua in 2020. It's a, a person who works at a uh, emergency dispatch center, and the entire movie is this person talking oh, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. in the dispatch center to somebody, and there's like a whole thing that unravels. Have you guys seen this movie? Is it? I, I remember it, but no, I haven't seen Gyllenhaal it. Gyllenhaal or no? Well, Gyllenhaal's in the remake, but the original oh. is, is a uh, original. Is, it's is it a da- it might be a Danish movie or something. I can't remember, but. 2018 is when it came out? Yeah. Uh, the original came out in 2018. The remake came out in like 2020. Huh. Okay. Yep. Uh, number four, 12 Angry Men, 1957. Obviously, Classic. it's a 10 out of 10. Whole thing takes place in the, in the jury room. Yep. yep. Cool. My favorites. Cool. So some, some cool, diverse movies that can all take place in one single location. I'm loving this. Number three, The Hateful Eight, mm. 2015. I... I think I, I hate to say this, Brian, because I know you really like that movie, but uh-huh. I think it is lesser Tarantino. Oh, really? I think it's a. I think all of his movies are good. <laughs> Let's put put it that way. I mm. enjoy all of his movies on one level or another. But if I'm going to rank all of his movies, it's coming in in the bottom third. Oh, okay. It's coming in, in my top third. Have you seen it? I have not seen that one. I've seen clips from it, but I've not seen the whole thing. Uh, the, it's set in like a ranch way station. Okay. Um, uh, and I, I have an asterisk on this one too because there are a couple of scenes that take place. There's a scene on a wagon, like on a trail, okay, and yeah. a couple. Of, I think but, I've seen the movie poster, and the, it's I mean, outside. I mean, it is. It 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 takes this one space and just makes it. Fe- I mean, it man, he he's hmm. just a master at, at the, the the single location film. Uh, number two, the uh, not the sorry, strike the Panic Room, two thousand two, mm-hmm. David Fincher, Panic Room guys, mm, the yeah, whole I thing saw, set in a brownstone. Saw in the theater. Um, I, at that time, I was like David Fincher was like you know the god of directing. He still so is. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean he's made some very brilliant movies. I will not deny that. Um, but I, I think I probably have a little bit of rose-colored glasses for that movie. I don't think. I mean, I think I've seen it twice, and I don't think I probably. I think I think it's good, not great, probably. Okay. In my opinion. Not seen it. Oh my gosh! Man, I know, I'm man. Really, I'm really. Uh, this is, I'm um, batting zero for eight right now on like movies you guys great. have mentioned tonight. Panic Room, Panic Room's great, man. I, hmm. I love it's Panic Room. Good. It's Venture. Yep. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Two thousand two. Uh, before I give my number one, I'm gonna some honorable mentions. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Mm, the yeah. whole things at a party. Yeah, pretty I good movie. Like yeah, I did too. Yeah. Dial, uh, dial in for murder. Yeah. Whole things in an apartment. Another Hitchcock. I, I hate to say I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Clue. Oh yeah, yeah. Clue, very good. The Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's all yeah, in high yeah, school detention. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 smart. Yeah. yeah, very good. Very good. 127 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly set in the canyon there. I yeah, have not well. seen that one either. Uh, Inside, it just came out. Will- Willem Dafoe, the whole thing takes place in the yeah, penthouse. I've seen it. Yep. Um, and I thought it was not great, but okay. Yeah, there's a reason it's an honorable mention, but not in my top 10. Yeah, it was, v- it was very watchable. Mm-hmm. A little boring. A little boring, yeah. What was it? Uh, Inside. Not Willem Dafoe came out came out in 2023, yeah. and then uh, I know Graves, you'll resonate with this one. Buried, 2010. Mm. Yeah, Buried um, was really. I the whole thing takes place in a coffin. Really like that movie. That might be the smallest location. Oh. Yeah, that's a really yeah good movie. really well done. It wasn't in my top ten. Would have been like number eleven. Yeah, uh, and then drum roll my number one. Can you can anybody guess number one? I have a f- ma- I, I know what I want it to be. But yeah. Is it the but Matrix where it happens in the Matrix? <laughs> no, the Matrix <laughs> happens a lot of places. Good work, Chris. Good work. Got him. You gonna guess? I I'm. You don't have to guess. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I mean, I will guess. I don't think this is what it's gonna be because I think you already mentioned this director. I, was, I have mentioned this director. Two uh, other movies from this director: oh, Rear I, Window, Rear yeah, Window, oh, okay. number one. Thank you. Oh, I was gonna say if it's, it's not, okay. if it's not yeah. in there, you know I, me. Yeah. You know me. Yeah, yeah. Rear, Rear Window is it's a 1954. The whole thing's set in an apartment. Uh, Hitchcock. I, I mean, it is. It's phenomenal. Um, it I mean, does it, have one other location, but 
Yeah. Does it? Okay. It, it, it's yes. got the office. I couldn't remember yes, if it. You're right. It does. Yeah. Okay. You're right. I love that movie. Like yeah. I, 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 I've watched it so, tons just, of times. So yeah. good. I've added it to my watch list. I think last episode, or the episode before that. But my, as we were joking earlier, my uncle Steve also said it in a later text. Yeah. I gotta, oh, because I gotta his watch guy uh, James yeah. Stewart's in it. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Right. Yep. So, so you haven't seen Rear Window I'm not, yet? No. Sweet. Let me know what you think. It's on the list. Uh, and then that, that's it for Brian's corner tonight, everybody. But I wanted okay. to also just leave you guys. Did you guys have any that I missed? Any any single? Because there's a, there's a the Wikipedia article on single single location movies is quite long, and yeah. I did not list them. I'm going to throw one out. Uh-huh. I'm going to throw one out that I think is a really underrated movie. Horror. Ooh. Cube. Okay, I've seen Cube, <sighs> and that is definitely a single location movie. I gave it like a 40 out of 100. What? Wow. Yeah, it just it didn't feel like a good Bro, movie. Bro, you should have watched it when it came out. I remember yeah. people talking about it. I think maybe it was too hyped up. Because I watched it, uh, I watched yeah. it like five years ago. That's a good movie. Man. You know what's funny? I saw Cube two, and I was like, "This movie's fucked up." And then I went back and watched Cube so, one, and Cube, I was like, you, "What?" Mind, that came before fucking Saw. Okay, listen, and like all that bullshit. That movie Nick, laid the groundwork for like horror movies for the next thirty years. Okay, I give Cube very high respect and high. Uh, when you talked about platform being a high concept movie, Cube did it first better than yeah. than, pla- than the platform. Mm-hmm. And I and I still and it very much sticks with me. I just didn't feel like. The acting, I feel like it's almost like a video game. I didn't feel like it was like See, a good I movie. I agree. The acting is not good in that movie because it's a bunch of fucking amateurs. I know. It's I wish am- they and, and I can it. get over that because I just kind of realized that. And it's such a good concept yeah. to me that, and, and such an innovative concept at the time, I guess. I, I agree with you. If you watch that movie in 2024, you're going to be like, yeah. eh, you might, it yeah. might not do it for you. But you watch that shit in, you know, 2000, you might have a little bit of a different opinion. Put it this way that movie belongs on this list. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Sure. Appreciate that. Yeah. I got two. Yep. Uh, room. Room, yep. Yeah, um, sure. Where yeah. it's mother and son. I, I, I was, I almost put that on my honorable mentions, but I think I read the book first, and I was uh, disappointed by the movie, which yeah. I rarely read. I, that mm. might be the only book I've read this century. So, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Room. I just happened to read your book. We're first. movie people here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> also, Lighthouse. Oh, good oh, one. Shit. Good one. I Wait, love, that wasn't on the list. Yeah, I'm not Wikipedia, that. you piece of shit. <laughs> I change everything. Yeah. Yeah. Number one. Number one. Those are, Actually, okay. I would. I would, in all seriousness, put Lighthouse Pride number two behind Rear Window. I yeah. gotta watch that. That's so also, good. It's a beautiful film. It's oh my god! Very good. Defoe is just oh, peak. Yeah. Peak. To I go. gotta watch that. Peak Damn Defoe. it, Grizz. Yeah. I know you guys have added so many movies to my watch list already. So. I'm happy for your future. <laughs> I know. I'm working on it. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining me in Brian's corner. Now we can move on to. Nick talk about. Yeah, where are we going from here? I don't know. We're sponsored tonight by. Not old elk. <sighs> which Come hurts. on, old elk. Which hurts. Hang on. Let we'll me take. A, let me again. take a sip of Heaven Hill, and 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 then we'll know how good it is. Ooh. Can I just remind everybody that's a family-owned business? Family-owned. No, no corporate bullshit. It know. warms the gullet. Hmm. Hmm. I'll quickly interject for you for a uh, segment that does not happen very often. Oh, please. Uh, what the fuck is Grizz watching? Um, we can watch. Are you giving us all yeah. watches? Sweet. I will give you all watches like the last episode. What? Um, they're in this <laughs> box of. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Oh shit! Uh, what episode okay. was that? Uh, we because so listeners can go back and maybe listen. It was like to sixteen it. or seventeen. It was, or what like movie that. was it? That we, uh, Deep we, Blue Sea. We were at Nick's house. Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, right. right. All right. So if yeah. you guys want to go back and listen to one, go listen to Deep Blue Sea. Um, I started a segment called uh, "What the Fuck Is Grizz Watching" or "What the Hell Is Grizz Watching," uh, where I pinpoint watches that are in the film because I'm a big watch guy. Mm. Uh, this movie is filled with them. I didn't I mean, notice a single I, one. I, I, Insanely yeah, I, filled I with that. watches. Really? And it was not until, because we watch these movies in the background. So I'm sitting here and we're all sitting here and we have the movie on silent in the background. 
This is the second time I've ever watched it, and I am noticing there are <laughs> dude, the scenes are great. The, the comedy in this is great, but the number of it's just absolutely absurd. And I'm watching and I'm going through this, and a lot of them are wearing uh, swatches, Casios. Uh, they're wearing um, Timexes, like gold Timexes. Uh, Carrie Fisher wears like a see-through swatch. Which seems yeah. so strange. What's Tom Hanks wearing? What's what's Ray wearing? Tom, yeah, he's wearing like a I can't. It's like a black, like a blacked out rubber Casio okay. or something like that. But I couldn't pinpoint what the actual watches were. The only one that I cared about was um, the character of um, Mark Rumsfeld, the military guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so in certain scenarios, he wears a different watch. And so in the scenario where he's doing recon... Because he changes costume and, quite a bit. Isn't there the a pretty, there's in, a pretty tight shot on his watch at yeah, least once, right? I don't remember. I, I I, I've yeah. only watched it once in, a, in half-assed you know, here. But like, there's one where he's like doing recon when he's in the yard. He's doing work or doing yard work. He's wearing like a G-Shock or some type of Casio that's like rubber and everything. And then when he goes and does the... Um, they go into the neighbor's house that they think is missing or dead. Uh-huh. He's wearing Walter. one of the greatest watches of all time. It's an Omega Speedmaster, oh. which was the first watch on the moon. So it was the watch that cool. went to the moon is what all the astronauts wear. They all give them as like standard issue watches. That look. And like Wait. I was shocked as shit to see that watch because it's a very expensive watch. And so uh, huh? I loved it. So by 81. Uh, yeah, there you go. See, There's the next time the segment, the, the segment happens. We're, we're all expecting Omega Speedman. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. so, I'm working on it. I'm working just on it. You know. Guys, I know we watch this movie on, on, on silent in the background, but right now we're watching we're watching Ray eat the sardine on the on the pretzel. <sighs> and and the, the, the fully on this scene when he's taking it out of the got, tin. It's, gosh, this is in my oh, okay, this is in Slowbird. And in fact, in fact, in fact, I'm so glad you brought that up. Segway. Because yeah, I feel like guys, it's it's time. It's time to introduce the segment that you know, this is the one that if you subscribe to our non-existent Patreon, you get the immediate time code. You just get to skip right to it because, you know, fuck all the other stuff we said. It doesn't really matter or make any sense, probably. And we're aware that with each episode, that time code gets progressive, progressively longer and longer. And you're welcome. We're saving you that much more time each time. That's right. That's right. Because our episodes are fucking way too long. Because we know what the people want. And what they want is Crossfire. Sorry, or they do actually. I meant rapid fire. Yeah, is what rapid I meant. Fire. Rapid fire. Slow burn. See, it because started as rapid fire, right? Because we talk about these topics quickly. We go from from the first, to the next, to the next, to the next. We have a lot just, of topics and a little go, bit of time, boom, 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 so they've got to be boom. rapid. Right, right. The problem is though, we started to do that, and when we talk for like thirty minutes about each fucking topic, so we actually renamed the segment, right? And that segment. Smolder. Is called <laughs> <laughs> the slowest of slow burns. Slow burn. Slow burn. We're burning it down, and we're going to get it started with the burps on Critical mm. Mass. So, all right, guys, let's jump into it. Uh, you know, I like to start from the top. I like to start from the top, and let's talk a little bit about that, uh, just the the kind of that overhead zoom-in shot oh, to yes. begin and end the film. <laughs> Thank God we're finally talking about that finally. amazing shot. If I had another segment, it would be breaking down just that scene. <sighs> what a great but, shot. And can you imagine in 1989? What, I mean, now we've got like Google Earth and like it's not quite as special, but like to start from the kind of the, the, the from space and to zoom all the way into some suburb and what, what was this like Illinois or it Missouri? Like almost, or, it almost looked like Iowa. Or may, yeah, know? it was in the Midwest somewhere. 
Guys, um, are they, are, I bet they were so glad that this was a universal film. <laughs> I know. What a perfect, yes, <laughs> like, kind of like segue from the kind of the logo in. to yeah. the, yeah, to that zoom perfect shot. Perfect segue. It was it's, it's really cool. magic, though. I think ILM uh, was helped help with that shot. Oh, no kidding? Yeah. And that's why it holds up. So I rewatched that shot. a few times. As soon as I watched, the first time starting this movie, I had to rewind and rewatch it. And it goes from the globe, and it goes to the city, and it's I think it's matte paintings that they're zooming mm-hmm. in on a lot of matte, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. And then eventually, there's I had to look for it really closely, but they they cut to miniatures, which they mm-hmm. then yep, use later yep, in the movie yep. that they blow up the and house. I, and and, and I stuff. totally and I watched that also very carefully. And mm-hmm. the cut that they make between the kind of the miniature set it's perfectly and the, blended. It's so it's good. Insane. You it's can like you can't even like, no. Unless you're I, that's, for I'm it, vividly looking tell. at these scenes over and over and over again. I've watched it five or six times. And the funny thing is, there's another movie that comes out roughly at the exact same time that has an even better intro scene. And that, you guys can name the movie? Oh. Uh, 1988's Beetlejuice came out. Oh. Not even a year later, like earlier. And there's the intro scene where they zoom in from the the way out and they zoom all the way through yep. and they run through yep. the city streets mm. on the miniature that the guy has in the attic. Well, this movie... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yes, it's, he's got yeah. the miniature of the attic. That's yes. right. And Can so I just point out, me. though, this movie has a lot of Beetlejuice flavor, Insane I would say. amount of Beetlejuice flavor. It does, and I'm not mad yeah. at it, because that's a great movie. Yeah. They just announced Beetlejuice 2. Did you guys see that? Oh, yeah. Named God. Beetlejuice, yeah. Beetlejuice. Right. Fuck. Right. Well, anyways, <laughs> that opening shot... coming back, baby. Whatever, 30, however many years later, um, it still looks really good. Oh, it, looked be- it was beautiful. Um. I just wanted to point out, I thought this was kind of funny. I don't know how you guys watch this movie, but I had to kind of um, get a Netflix, you know, subscription mm-hmm. from from someone that I'm sure. related to and sign into their account and watch the film. And, you know, they don't have the, the whatever, the super premium, you know, which I thought was funny. So I had to watch with ads. Oh, for some no. Ads. Oh, no. And, you know, it really brought me back. I liked it. Oh, I bet it did it bring you back. It was just like I me bet. watching Fox 59 <laughs> it felt like in 1998. I was like, we got a quick ad break. And I, and, that, and it feels right. I feel like that. I feel like I kind of want to experience that with this movie. Yeah. I think you should. I, I think don't remember. What that's I should experience. downgrade my Netflix to ads. I think you should. I actually like kind of really enjoyed it. And the great thing, the ads are only like thirty seconds. It's not like six minutes of fucking bullshit. So you know, it was just kind of refreshing. I kind of liked did it. Did you eat like a bowl of like like I did? Flakes? I went and did something else. You know, I went. I went to <laughs> no, the other no, room. I, I just was thinking like like because I'm thinking like cereal like Saturday morning like I don't yeah, know kind yeah. of yeah yeah I made good use time, of that little bit of extra time so. Anyway, um, okay, slow burning, slow burning. We're doing pretty good tonight. Yeah, that's um, two. On to topic guys. three. I loved how they introduced the neighbors. I thought it was just really so smart and quick, like like Walter and the and the Bijan, right? Um, uh, you know, of course the the vet uh, Rumsfeld, you know, and um, and you know, kind of his uh, you know next door neighbor, um, the creepy neighbors. You know, what, sorry, what was their last name? Klopek. The Klopeks, Yes, the Klopeks. Yeah, the the way they kind of did those introductions was just efficient, and I immediately understood what these characters were about. And Brian, you brought up earlier the characters were kind of one dimensional, mm-hmm. and I do not disagree with that. But you got a lot of them, so I was okay with that because I felt yeah. that kind of balanced the one dimensionality of a lot of the characters because you got so many of them. I don't fault the movie for that. I just felt compelled to add that to my flip the script because there was a mm. blank space there for me to add something to. What felt real to me was the conversation when they introduced the. I think the first the son walks outside and he's got like the fu- the crazy teeth and he's just like kind of lanky and weird. Mm. And he's just, what was he grabbing? The paper? I think he comes out and grabs the paper out of the mailbox and he just slowly walks backwards as everybody's kind of realizing they're coming out. And him and Art, Tom Hanks and Art are having this conversation. And Art's like, 
you know, egging him on to go talk to them. And that's a real thing that happens with neighbors. We're mm-hmm. like, oh, sure, yeah, go, go sure. talk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, yeah, he's going into his house. All right, he's going, you're going to miss the opportunity. Okay, he's going in. He's walking. Oh, you missed it. It's like, what the fuck? Dude? You yeah. missed it. <laughs> it's like, and he's like the whole time he's like kind of staring at him. He's like, go, go, go. You know, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great, that's uh, a great establishing scene. shot spatially for this movie. This, mm-hmm. this movie spatially is really well done. We talk about it being a single location, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a larger single location. And you immediately know where everything is in relation to everything else. And that shot specifically uh, solidifies it when, when he walks out and you've got that, that kind of POV shot kind of over his shoulder mm-hmm. and it sort of pans and shows the whole neighborhood. And it kind of mm-hmm. shows perfectly set up the pairs of people that are sort of it's like all right these are the this is the board these are the players yeah we're off yep. to the races yeah it's great and then you have Corey feldman making like the it's like the layered moment of neighbors like they have the layers and then Corey feldman's at the back end going oh you're gonna like this yeah yeah, he's yeah in right the shot yeah. too yeah, yeah, yeah he's everyone's in the, yeah, in the shot so good yeah he's kind of like the announcer you know he's kind of mm-hmm. like the guy in the background kind of just saying hey you should watch this yeah um so yeah I, but uh, art right art is his next door neighbor uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah so I really loved the, especially the introduction of art. Right, it's so extreme. <laughs> yeah, it's so holy extreme. shit, art's like, got a gun. You know what you're gonna, what you're signing up for? He's so, got yeah, the he's, branch. He's blasting these crows with a gun. Yeah, right. And then, and then, and then they invite him inside, and he just is just pounding that just plate after just plate, genius of food. He, like, he, he's he just, really eating. Like everything this guy does is an eleven. He takes well, it to an eleven. Yes. You know, it, I was but, waiting but for this. It's the... not over the top. I I know that sounds weird. <laughs> he takes it to an eleven, but it's not over the top. It's like exactly yeah, it's who he almost needs realistic. To be. Yeah, he's yeah. not Will Ferrell and Elf, where he's scarfing down pounds of food. No, he's just eating like an absolute maniac that he's would just, just eat like that. Food into his mouth, and I'm he thinking eats like they, dog they, food. They, they, yeah. Oh my god, I never noticed that until this watch I, I didn't realize because he eats the thing yeah. and he makes that disgusting face but he just chokes it down yeah. and I realized then she takes that over and feeds it to the dog yeah. he like yeah. eats the dog, <laughs> the dog food, food. <laughs> and then he just stuffs more like sausage links in you know I like how oh, he goes cr- back to the fridge after he finishes off the bottle of syrup and he goes back to the fridge to get a full new bottle and then it's half gone by the time he's done eating right yeah. and he walks it's out so- and he walks out with an entire pineapple he carried that from the fridge to the yeah. table to the outside yeah it's so good so okay, here's another slow burn note that I just put this one early on because I just I just knew this was going to be true, and I'll just say the statement. I feel like at at the risk of offending, uh, probably not any of us here, but maybe our our listener. Um, I feel like if you don't like this movie, you're just kind of an asshole. Why? Like why who doesn't like this what, movie? What do you not like about it? I know. Like what? Like like seriously, if you rate this movie like a like a forty, like you're as tough to problem? crack as Tom Hanks's character. You know, I guess. It's I f- just I feel like I feel like I can see if you said. I don't like I don't love this movie, but I can't see if you said I hate this movie. Yeah, this is a bad movie. You just don't know what I you're can't talking see about. that. I just can't see where that's coming from. I, I don't either. Yeah. So okay. Well, I'm glad we all agree on that. Um, okay. Everyone is outside their house all, all the, the time, time, right? And in the eighties, that was actually pretty normal. Yeah. Like, it's still normal today. I don't know. Uh, Brian, do you talk about no, your neighborhood? It's not, buddy. No, it's not. No, no, what? no, no, no. no. If really? you're, in my neighborhood, if you're out like on your sidewalk. You know, there's a bunch of eyes in upstairs rooms. Like, look, like, what oh, is no, that like, outside? we are, if it is nice, I mean, come March, like, we are all outside doing something or seeing everybody or talking to everybody. It's insanity. We're outside once, maybe once, like, like in the evening for like a, like an hour 
or here and there, but like they're outside like every all day, every all day, day every the, from day. From the morning to the night, like the very first scene of the movie, it's like ten o'clock at night, and he's like outside, and he like steps on the Clopex lawn, and that wind starts blowing, and he steps off, and then everyone everyone knows he did that because they're all cause they're yeah. all so connected, they're all up in each other's business, right. and then like the very next morning he's out, they're 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 just always out. I don't and know, I love man. it. I love this it. This might it's, be how the, our neighborhood actually kind of works, though. Like weirdly, like that's been stop weird. Boasting about years. your neighborhood, it's strange. I well, think that Tom Hanks is America's blankie, and this movie also is America's <laughs> blankie. Well, regardless, I think we can all agree in the summer of 89, this is how neighborhoods felt in suburbia. I thought we weren't going to your porch. I, no. Then <laughs> yeah. well, you didn't bring the sound effect, so I don't know what to do. Dang it. <laughs> okay, so um, I I really liked the, the Bijan dog. Walter's dog. Mm. I thought yeah. the dog gave like some great expressions. <laughs> like yeah. when it kind of like they, they dog got squinted. a zoom in. He got his own zoom Dude, in. Yes, that he was did. the best. Yeah. When that, you watch that zoom in at the start of the movie and like the neighbor comes out and they do the the quick close up of everybody's eyes around the neighborhood one by one. And yes. They, and, it, and then and they the, just cut to the and dog. And he's like squinting. <laughs> and then he does a little because everybody so cool. has everybody has a slight tweak in their eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they have a weird like quick thing that they do. And then even the dog has a little wink. And yeah, it's like, what a great what a great dog. Little piece of trivia about that dog. Do you know what other movie that dog was famously oh, no. in? Oh, I do. Silence of the Lambs. Oh, what? Wow. That's the same dog. Wow. Oh, my God. It's yeah. actually got a really stacked acting credit. Really? Like, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. What was that, what was awesome. that dog's name? I, I need a name. I'll find it. Oh, was it Pookie or Peaky but, or Schmoochie or something in the movie? But I don't know what the actual dog's name was. Did you just was. give me a side eye? Like a <laughs> no, side no. Eye? That okay. was not judgmental at okay. all. Okay. Well, it no. should have been because I derided no. dogs in general. No, what, what did you say bad about dogs? Well, you just said what was his name, and I said I don't care. Oh, like, as if as if to say, <laughs> Brian, like, I wasn't listening. I don't care about dogs <laughs> having names. Why do dogs need to have a name? Yeah, because they do, and they need a human name. Ben, can you cut everything I just said out? <laughs> no, <laughs> they need a human name because dogs are better than humans, and you keep mm. that in, Ben. Yeah. Anyway, um, what's the dog's name? Binky. <laughs> Blinky. <laughs> that dog's American. Oh, blanky. there it is. There's the close up of the watch. Damn it. The name of the dog is Darla. Darla. Oh, that's a great name. See, a um, human name. Great name. Great name. Everybody's got a dog in this damn movie. I just watched Tom Hanks. It is in one. Batman Returns. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, shit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. Wow. Holy crap. Silence of the Lambs, The Burbs, and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, my God. Wow. Dang. Stacked. Darla must have been so well behaved. <laughs> Darla's still with us, right? Right. We were talking oh, about big pulls for the movie. I think Darla... Darla might be the biggest <laughs> yeah. pull to the movie. No Darla's kidding. 180 in, in dog years and never dying. Ever. Big fan of Darla. Yeah. Big fan. There she is. What a cutie. Uh, just a cute dog. You guys been keeping up with Corey Feldman's music career lately? Oh it's God. so good. Uh, kind yes. of. Yeah. It's been great. He's opening for uh, Limp Biscuit this summer. Yes. Jeez. You know who else is part of that show? Riff Raff, my favorite <laughs> rapper. Yeah. We're going to have to buy tickets. We're going to have to buy tickets, aren't I we? I might just go just for Riff Raff, guys. <laughs> Love that guy. Um, okay. Uh, guys, let's talk about the music. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the music. I thought the music in this movie was great. I thought it was that perfect. It was, you know, it was orchestral. Mm-hmm. It really added to the atmosphere and the ambiance. Um, and it just and it felt very good for the time, very perfect for the time. And I, I just and I, I should have looked up who did it. I actually didn't. Um, Jerry Goldsmith. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, well, nice. Yes. 
Um, um, the so, Klopex theme was like very like as soon as that played this time, I was like, oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. the sort of the evil theme, you know, mm-hmm. the brass kind of coming. Well, having just yeah. talked about the dog, did you guys catch the dog's little theme at the beginning of the movie? Yes, yes. And the it dog had like had that, a little theme, that weird it? little yep. bark sound that went from like you see and you're like, oh, maybe that dog's making that bark noise, and then it just slowly rolls into like a, a melody for the actual. Cool. Oh, it's I so good. That. Oh yeah. man, yeah, good music, very appropriate, yeah. Yeah. really good. Yeah, guys, just overall thoughts. Um, on the dialogue in this movie, and I'll just use one adjective: good. Thought it was good. Uh, how about um, I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I know that was like yeah. When the whole the book thing, that was kind of like that took an interesting turn. Funny though, funny. Yeah. It was good, you know. Uh, yeah, it wasn't like amazing. Yeah, but it, like for the movie, I thought it was very serviceable, very good. It had some memorable stuff. Rumps it was punchy. It was efficient. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was delivered well. I think Bruce Dern really delivered all his lines really well. I remember he was yeah. he was when Corey Feldman's like like no tan lines, you know, and uh, he's like, what does he say? The kid next door's a meatball, yeah. you know. <laughs> and uh, um, I love I love uh, Tom Hanks. They're all sitting there so awkwardly in the Klopex house, just waiting on on the the snacks to come in, and they're just, it's just so awkward. And Tom Hanks sure was damp today. Like, that's great. That's great. Yep. So yeah, I, I, actually, that's not great. It's good. Good dialogue. Yeah, good, I agree. good yeah. dialogue. Good enough. Per- great. So did you guys catch the uh, the cereal that Tom Hanks and Princess Leia were eating? Gremlins. No, no, no. It wasn't called Gremlins. It was or, called uh, 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 um, shit, what was it? Freakies. But it had a it had a gremlin on it, right? Sort of. It had a little gremlin-looking thing on it. Okay. Sort of. Hmm. Yes. But I just thought, like, where's that box of cereal right now? I know. Like, I know. Where like, who's that? got that one of one f- box of freakies from this movie? <laughs> like, that's such a cool prop. And I like I like and I really like movies that like take the time to do a nice little subtle prop thing like that. Mm-hmm. This is a weird, kind of a dark, a little bit horror comedy, and they're eating freakies. Like, I, I appreciate the extra effort there. There's also a lot of product placement, too. So much product placement. Yeah, there was a fair bit. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, the garbage man. The garbage man in this movie. One of his quotes. I hate cul-de-sacs. <laughs> Thoughts on cul-de-sacs, guys? What do we think of cul-de-sacs? <laughs> I live on one as we sit in this house in this basement, um, but I'm also on the corner lot of the cul-de-sacs. I'm on the end, so I don't quite get the full experience, sure, but I still get cul-de-sac. quite a bit of it. I've never lived on a cul-de-sac, so I don't really know. But What even is a cul-de-sac? Is that French? Know. Is that a know. French word? Cul-de-sac? Cul-de-sac. Is that, Circular. It, yeah. Cul-de-sac. What are the, what's the etymology yeah, of cul-de-sac? No one knows. No one could ever know. No There's no way we can find out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just remembered another product placement, uh, steel. Steel um, um, uh, chainsaws was a big product oh, placement. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, Well, totally. the paint uh, was like stole or something like I can't remember what it was, but it, there were the paint cans. Every did, that time bug, he, did that bug you when he spilled it on his speakers? That was so bad. Was Why? Like, oh, oh, oh yeah, it made me hurt. That was cringy. Cringy. Yeah. So every time you come back to him, the paint cans are turned a little bit more, and you can mm. see the brand name, uh, the syrup. The Aunt Jemima syrup on the mm-hmm. table was front and center. Mm-hmm. The beer cans were, I think, Miller Light, maybe. But that they had was like a, they had like a red. Yeah. I thought they were like a Schlitz or something. I can't remember. But it was, Ooh, that was Schlitz. a great. That was a great scene where every time he got angry, like somebody pissed him off, he just crushed oh, two cans. He does it, twice. and then he does it again. Yeah. And he's like, it. ah, <laughs> oh, that's so good. Barred from the French, cold de sack. I knew uh, it was French. Meaning bottom of big sack. Bottom of the big sack. <laughs> yeah. We'll just li- a we'll, bag of sack. We'll just, we'll leave, just, that we'll just leave that there. We will. We'll yeah, just visually, yeah, I there can get that. Glad I yeah. don't live yeah. on one. 
Yeah, the big sack. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, two pays, guys. Two pays. Mm. Big part of this movie. Huge two, part yeah, of big this movie. Plot point. Yeah. Two pay. Does someone who's you know seventeen years old even know what a two pay is? Do we have those anymore? Yeah, we have. Those. It's the, different are, though. Are do sure. people I know wear a two pay? Do you think? I bet is you would notice. I know yeah, you they're so good notice. now. I bet you wouldn't notice. I get huh. a lot of them on TikTok and. There are some very in-depth. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. They'll shave the head. Can you look up the fringe fit. etymology of toupee as well? Top of the sack. Top of the sack. Yes. <laughs> I believe that's exactly what it means. Um, anyways, yeah, I didn't know that was still a thing. I don't know if anyone would even know what that means that's you know, I guess younger than I guess the movie us. tells them what it is because, you know, sure. you see, you know. Sure. Anyway. Um some dark stuff in this movie for PG guys. I feel like this movie is pushing the limits of PG. You've got and, and even like the, the, just the clips. They show clips from The Exorcist and clips from Texas oh my God. Chainsaw Massacre. You guys, though, and also uh, what was the? Um, there was those two. Yeah, oh shit, I had that. They, I love how he flips channels between like the the, um, the, the craziest scenes of the scariest yeah, movies right. ever. Right. Yeah. It's so absurd, but it's perfect. Yeah, and it's the way he's just kind of. It doesn't affect him. He's just kind of watching, you know. And this but movie is kind of self-aware. It brings up like the movies a yeah. few times, which but, I don't but, hate. But you're right. This movie actually shows like the, that scene from The Exorcist, you know, and it's like, this is PG. Mm-hmm. And this is after PG-13 exists. Yeah, so. right. That is right. Um, okay, Brian, earlier you brought up the dream sequence going on a little too long, which I agree with. But holy moly, that the poor little Bijan with the axe in the head. Oh my gosh, that mm. gave me a nice laugh. That was, yeah. just, and I love dogs. You know how much I love dogs. Yeah. But that was funny. Yeah, it was <laughs> funny because it was a dream. It yeah. was funny because yes. Yep. I just that just gave me a little chuckle. Um, have you guys ever had a glass of OJ in bed like Tom Hanks? Only in the eighties. No, but I yeah. I hope now. That's yeah. what you do in the eighties. <laughs> I feel like I had a. I feel like I had a glass of Tang. Maybe oh, to, oh don't, in t- bed. definitely tang. Yeah. But like pure, like 100% OJ. Orange juice? Not sure. Not sure on that. I think I've, I've been served breakfast in bed like once in my life, and I'm pretty sure I had OJ during that endeavor. Okay. So I have a line of dialogue written here. This is Walter. You guys remember <laughs> that, that line? And then the camera move. Oh, shit. Back and forth. The zo- the yes, yes, oh, yes, yeah, yes, they're yes. outside. Yeah, like yeah. Femur bone. This is Walter. Yeah. 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 And it zooms yeah. in and out. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of movies get, can get away with that. <laughs> Not a lot of movies can get Wayne, away with Wayne's that. Wayne's World. And, and, and yeah, Wayne's World. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and then the way, that, the way that Art stops screaming, and it's perfectly timed when the when the camera stops doing that hard zoom in and out, and Tom Hanks keeps screaming, and Art's like, Art stops him. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like they had to shoot that take several times I to get that timing right. And I really appreciated. I that. loved it. It was that funny. Was just really fun. That's just a fun. That's just a. That's just a director having fun. Exactly. That, that's a, that, <laughs> you know? honestly, all joking aside, that's a scene where you know a committee is going to remove that scene. Yeah. But a singular yeah. person who's making a movie is like fucking. I'm making this movie, and it's just yep. this is what it is. This is the tone. This is the. This is what I want. They get to put that in there, and I know there was some pushback, and it stayed in. And God bless them for keeping it in. How much? Also, also Pete Way's Big Adventure. Yeah, 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 right. Big time. Yeah. How much do you think of this movie was ad libbed or on the cuff, like off the cuff? Like, I think some of those shot ideas were like, oh yeah, let's just do something fun. Let's zoom in on everybody's eyes real quick and just do this quick zoom in and out. Like, it'll be funny. I know. A lo- I know there were several ad libbed scenes. Yeah, I would um, imagine a lot of this was. Yeah, I, I think a couple of particular ones <laughs> where uh, when they were in the um, 
they were in the, the Klopex house, or no, no, not uh, Walter's house. Yeah. And uh, uh, Art has those cookies, and Corey Feldman comes through the door and knocks the. Co- I think they came up with that scene on the spot, and I know that one of the famous ones was uh, the scene where Tom Hanks had been blown up at the end. He's like, "I've, I've been blown up. I, I'm, I'm sick. Take me to the hospital." And he lays down on the stretcher, and then he stands up and he picks up the stretcher and he throws it into the ambulance, and then he jumps onto it and it sort of rolls to the end. Yeah. And he just kind of lays there. He ad libbed that entire thing. That was <laughs> not in the script. Really? He just did it. <laughs> wow. And, I mean, and I, and I, I was like, because I remember thinking, like, man, that seemed so natural. And it's like, oh, that's why, because he just yeah. did yeah. it. I mean, yeah, yeah. massive props to Tom Hanks' physical comedy in this. Like, that has to be. This has oh, to be one of his best this movie physical has some great, comedy. Yeah, we're gonna. We're oh, gonna oh, yeah, okay, okay. We're, we're, we're right. coming to the so, the yeah. second funniest thing Tom Hanks has ever done in his entire career in this movie, and it's physical oh, shit. comedy. So, so Brian, you you alluded to this earlier, and we got a. This is a great Hanks scene. The <laughs> the 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 Foley work while he is taking the sardine. God. And eating that sardine, perfect. That it's sneeze, so yeah. good. It's some of the best foley work There's I've ever heard. So much foley with him just take, just grasping at the yeah, sardine. He can't get it, <laughs> gunky. And it gives it, it gives the, the movie re, uh, breathing room for to see his expression cut away to, mm-hmm. to the to the chick's expressions, and everyone's just yeah. kind of like, oh. And no, I feel he's like has there this. been a movie in like the last like twenty years that's like done that kind of thing? You know, like really exaggerated foley work for like comedic. It's effect. almost as if he we was don't having get great foley these we days. We don't. We don't. It's almost as if, like as if he was having an allergic reaction to eating that well, fish. Then, yeah. So so after he eats it, then after he has that weird allergic reaction. To it, <laughs> it's I don't so know good. How he did that. Uh, but man, it's brilliant. It's pretty good. It's yeah. Pretty good. Uh, okay, that wood grain wagoneer jeep. Mm. Mm, heart heart symbol. Yeah. Heart symbol. Heart symbol. Heart emoji. Yeah. Heart yeah. emoji. Yeah. I really that that's just a cool. Car. What else did I just see? Someone was driving that. Did, a movie we just did. Someone was driving a beautiful wagon. What movie did we just? What did we just do before Blade? What was before Blade? Leave and, the world behind. I don't, Leave the world behind. That couldn't yeah. be it. I've been blocking that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. It was a movie I was just watching um, with my wife. Okay. Here's another one, guys. Oh, so the. Red Rover reference. Did you guys play Red Rover as a kid? I thought was that, that a was game? a that was yeah, but that was yeah. kind of weird. They really what focused on that on Bruce Stern at the, on the roof going. Yeah. He's like delighted. He like it shows him and it shows them in the background. He's like Red Rover, Red Rover, send Art right over. And sure. I I didn't get it. Like I didn't know they, Red Rover, but I'm like why? Well, okay, so Red Rover for people that need a little context. I assuming we're talking about the same. Do you remember it's Red a Red playground yeah, game? The game. There's, there's yeah. two lines you, of people. You, you, yep. Exactly. You hold hands, yep. and then someone just sprints as hard as they can yep. and try and burst through the hands of the. So, anyways, yeah, I was just curious if that was a game. I guess that is a pretty universal game. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah, very we universal all played for me. Red Rover, but it was actually kind of a little bit of a dangerous physical game. Yeah. You know, well, for, all the best you're ones. Knocking as a people kid over. Were. Yeah. Like yeah, dodgeball, not a thing anymore. Yeah, they've they've ruined. My kids play dodgeball. Do they? Dodgeball was just at the uh, Pro Bowl. But I bet they. I wonder in what form they play it. I feel like, yeah. Well, I, I I'm I'm out of line here. I don't, we, I don't know. We used to play a, a really dangerous game as a kid called. I don't know if I can say the the name of this game, Ben. Nah, you're don't have to cut this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say the first two the words of it. Smear the. Oh yeah, we uh, played yeah. that game. Okay, we all oh, played okay, that. Yeah. All right, yeah. pretty dangerous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, kinda. I feel like Red Rover was maybe. Red Rover game. would be more Red Rover dangerous. Was like a because you you're playing with girls too. It was like kind of a unisex game. Yeah. Bro- break you get a like lot a of wrists. Big burly boy running <laughs> through. You know, kind of a you know kind of. You just let go on that one. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. You just kind of let. But now the the you know kind of the the more resilient kids they're going to hold on tight. Really, they would hold on tight. They'd be punished for it. I never cared, and I would just be like, well, 
<laughs> See, I was, I was, I was like, "Fuck you, bitch!" I'm I'm gonna, get lose my rotator cuff. Yeah, I love that we got to dangerous schoolyard games somehow. Mm. That's a fun. That's a good band name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, uh, we talked. We've we've talked about the physical humor in this movie. There's a lot of physical humor in this movie, and actually, a scene we saw about five minutes ago that really gave me a good good belly laugh that I feel like we don't get this kind of physical humor much anymore is when Rumsfeld just kind of falls, falls off, off the, the roof. roof you know? Oh my just, God. God. Just that multi-stage that's, fall. That's, Dude, third, it's that's just, the third it's, funniest it's scene lovely. in this movie. It looks so real and it looked like it hurts so yep. bad. It does. And it probably did. It probably <laughs> oh did. That scene is so funny. Ray, in the end of the movie, he looks pretty hurt. Yeah, he's got like a big scar above his yeah, ear. Yeah, I was actually like a little disturbed at how hurt he was. Yeah. Like, Anyone else get a little? He looked like a boxer that had it's, just been through like twelve rounds of absolute I was punishment. Up. Yeah, yeah, kind of started getting to me. I was yeah, like, I was like, he's a little too hurt. Did he really get hurt? I liked that it was real. It was, oh, we're about to watch the scene, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. We're about to see him real this, hurt. Here guys, he is. This is the second funniest. There he is. This is the second I want you guys, scene of Tom Hanks's career. I want you to watch <laughs> okay. the detail. It is. It he, is. We're watching Tom it's, Hanks glide down the front stairs oh, yes. after he, he's exploded. And that is, that is the word. Swollen shut. The word is glide. It just, he just surveys the neighborhood. How does he even move? That's a, what a move. What a, what the fuck? What a move. He glides down. He and glides. It's this is him. This is not a stunt double. I don't and think he took a step. No, he, he just, just literally. Down. No, he glided down those and then, three steps. And then the entire porch. You guys, the entire porch. This the, this the camera does not cut. Do you realize this? Yeah, yeah. the yeah. porch collapses. Yeah. So yeah. there are some some um, special effects people standing by, going, "Okay, the star is clear of this porch that we're yep. going to collapse without cutting the camera." I think that. I mean, how do they do that? Yeah, like it's that's it's a lot a, of timing. There's a lot of di- yeah. liability on that it's, scene. Yeah, so. it's a cool scene. I feel good that we finally talked about the best yeah. singular scene in the movie. Yeah. yeah, I found a, a, a cause, so I've had references to this movie for years, and one of my favorite actors, comedians, is Bill Hader, and he has mentioned this movie many of times in interviews I've watched, mm-hmm. and that scene specifically is one that he's like, I used to reenact that oh, really? over and over and over again see to that. see if I can master it, and I now get why he talked about that movie so much, and like, or like he just thought it was the most brilliant comedy. And, I love yeah. that he loves this movie. Oh, it's so good. Barry makes more sense. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so funny that now it makes more sense that he's referenced this movie so much in interviews. Yeah. So, unlike last episode's movie, what was that shitty movie called? Leave No Trace. Yeah, right. Leave the World. The World is Not Enough? Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's yeah. it. Yeah. That movie was just rife with just ambiguity, right? And I complained about the ambiguity a lot in that movie. This movie also has a lot of ambiguity, but you get an actual resolution. (laughs) (laughs) You actually, you find out what happens. The neighbor's not dead. I appreciate that. This is how much he hated the movie. That he is bringing it up (laughs) in other movies, how much he still hates that movie. True, Ben. And for the record, I raised my score on that film. As long as you don't mention as much as Matrix, I'll be all right. Um, Yeah, no, I agree with you, Nick. And I loved, and as much as I loved that movie for its ambiguity, I loved this movie for its resolution and simplicity. Yeah, there's nothing more I want to know. You have put a button on it. This movie feels so good when the credits roll, you're like, yes, Yes, we're done. We're done. Yes. Yep. Um, 
We have brought this up a few times in Critical Mess, and this happens, I have to say, this happens more often than I thought it did, and now that I'm paying attention to it, I'm seeing it all the time. The title of the film being said in the film, it happens Mm. here. Does it? It Mm. happens here. Hank says it during his rant. During his rant at the end. He says the burps. He absolutely does. Wait, Hank? You say Hank? Tom Hanks. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yes, sorry. Yeah, Tom Hanks says the burbs during his rant at the end of the movie. And, you know, we've kind of talked about that. Like, it would be yeah. fun to just see a list of movies that say the title of the movie in the movie. And now I'm starting to think every fucking movie I says the title of the movie in the movie. I actually wonder if it's more frequent than we think it is. I'll, I think I'll it be is. honest, if it's, I did not even notice it. And so if either. it's molded in that well, I think that's a good job. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I think it was kind of subtle. I think yeah. it was kind of subtle, but he 100% said it. Hmm. I'm, like, hyper aware of that with a lot of movies. Yeah. So. He says it. He 100% says it. Um... Okay, we once again we've touched on this a little bit, but I think we need to dig into it a little bit more. The twist, the final twist in this movie, man, really good. Thank you. Like I, it. it's it's so good, and I feel like once again, I'm I'm sorry guys, but shitting on the movie from last episode, the <laughs> final twist wasn't there. It just wasn't there. And this movie has a not only a final twist, but a like a 180. It 180s the whole character arc. Immediately, it too. Com- it completely changes everything we thought we just knew. Yeah, and, and I, I love that. I, I also loved it too because, like, it was kind of it was kind of nuanced a little bit. Like, um, Tom Hanks did not see any skulls down in that furnace. Mm-hmm. Like, the, that didn't even happen. And then, and then, uh, uh, the Klopek guy, he's like, "I know you saw our furnace down there. I know you know yeah, that's not a, a normal furnace. I know you saw, you know, the skulls." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" So like that kind of seems like a, gen, a, a genuine like misunderstanding. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. And so I can see how I can see how that would happen. Um, I don't. I, it's it's kind of strange. I don't know. It seems a little bit like, well, where's the? How how did he just steal the amulets? But I, here's what I love. I'm gonna and Nick. I know you say this a lot. Um, movies that t- the, the the gunfight at the end or the fight or the titular fight scene, whatever it is, it just takes place t- t- like a thirty minute deal. You know what's going to happen. Let's just get to it. I love the fact that in this movie they hijack the ambulance. There, this could this movie could have been twenty more minutes of like this chase through like the city and yada yada yada. But instead, Tom Hanks uh, grabs the dude's arm and like they immediately crash into Art's house and it's over. And I'm like, oh, thank God. That that twist just ended. I loved how quickly it ended. I think I think it was one of the best final twists I've ever seen. Wow, really? I really mm. do. I, I don't think it, I, I'm not going to say it's the best, but I think it was just really smart, really fun, really well done. Didn't drag on, and completely subverted expectations. Mm-hmm. And I I loved it. Loved it. Yeah, oh, man, it's so I loved it. So I'm rewatching the end scene now, and this is the second time I've ever watched this movie. I did not catch the part where Tom Hanks lifts up the gurney and throws it in yeah, the ambulance and jumps onto well, it. Guys, I can, didn't catch that. I think but look, gotta, I think we the, need to back up for one second here and and talk about what the final twist is. We haven't yeah. even really said yeah. what happens. So please, so, someone. Tom Hanks has this big epiphany, and he's like, "You guys are fucking idiots. We shouldn't have assumed and you know judged the book by its cover." of these neighbors and said they're murderers when they're just normal people and they just, we just blew up their house. And so he has right. this huge speech. It's powerful. He takes the gurney, throws it in the car. About how they're the assholes. But did you notice they, yeah, that his right. wife shuts the door of the ambulance? It's not like a you yep. know an yep. am, you know emergency people shut it. So he's in that, and then it's not hard for that neighbor to jump in it real quick. So immediately the neighbor, the doctor, the... Uh, what were the neighbors' names? Just the Klopex. The Klopex. You guys, how many uh, times are you going to ask me We're going to keep asking you until the end. <laughs> so he jumps into the ambulance and has this moment. I think that is kind of, it 
it works. Like there's no like there's no emergency help that you know got him into the ambulance or anything. He just but, jumped in it himself. But that's the twist. That's yeah. The that's the, the twist. It's like he has this conversation. The twist is that you you assume we all assumed wrongly about these people. There's the huge climax of like the speech. We're the yep. assholes for right. judging them. Yep. Right. Could it in, could it into the movie there, and yet we find out the Clopex are murderers. They, really they murder murders. the people that they bought the house from, yeah. and that wasn't the femur because that was the the subverting of, of expectations the whole time. The whole uh, movie, Walter's gone. Toupees there, then the toupees in the Clopex house. It was a perfect. So we're thinking, uh, oh god, they that? killed Walter. Yeah, he's there's a, you know, and and so then Walter comes home, and then they go in and burn their house down, and they hit the the gas light, the gas line. There's no buried bodies, and we're thinking, all right, it, you know, we we were all wrong about them, and then we find out the femur is the I remember their the names, past neighbors, the yeah. people that they bought the house from, and they really are murderers. So that's. The answer. That's the that's the twist. I love it. It's great. I love it. So There's much. A, a funky. I only watched this once. So the funny scene is the doctor is like strangling him in the back of the ambulance, and somebody gets in it and starts driving. Was it the son? It's the yeah, Henry Gibson, the or not Henry Gibson? Um, yeah. the Pinocchio guy. So when he jumps into the car, and you see that Tom Hanks is like strangling the other guy, and he's holding the needle back with one hand, and he's trying to you know fight him to the other hand, and so he only has two hands. So. The other guy has a, a needle in his hand, and he's trying to inject him with something that looks like a green goo. And then he somehow takes those two hands, reaches to the front seat, and averts the, like averts the car and the driver at one at the same time. So he obviously has four hands. Oh, you're nitpicking. It's now. so I thought it was oh, so funny, but on. I did notice it the first time watching it, and I just laughed. I thought it was hilarious that you just see him magically grow two more hands. Maybe he like takes a break from the needle and goes <laughs> to the guy and comes back to the needle or something. Maybe so, I don't know. It's great. So can you guys clear this up? And I, I'm sure I just wasn't watching close enough, but. So Corey Feldman, what does he like own a house? What is he? Where are what his is, parents? What is going on there? I was thinking the whole time, Art does, is Art just a single neighbor that lives in this house, and is Corey Feldman just own this house across the street? Then at the very end, Art's wife comes home. Yeah. He's like my wife, and then Corey Feldman just like pizza dude, you know, like he does. He just own a, a house I by thought, himself. I thought he was just there know. working on it. Like he was. Oh, he didn't yeah. like he didn't house sitting it, and he was oh, painting. Yeah. He, was, he was working on it. Yeah, yeah. So I thought he was, he was just. Doing. I thought he was house painting. But, but, but why was he there all the time? I think he was like just, you're there. just working like, on the house. You shouldn't live there. No, but yeah, I don't know. I have friends there all night. I like there all day. It, I like how at one point in the movie you see the columns on the porch. One of them's half painted red, and the other's half painted blue. Shittily painted. Days of work. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, we we alluded to this earlier, um, but also speaking of Feldman, the fourth wall breaks, right? There's mm. a nice fourth wall break at the end. You know, God, I love this street. God, I love this is street. the last line. And you know what? I I like it. Yeah. I'm going to buy it. It worked for me. Yeah. Worked for me too. Absolutely. Um, there's a, a really funny scene towards the end here where um, uh, Rumsfeld sees uh, Pin Pinocchio, as he calls him. Hans. Uh, Hans. Hans. Uh, they crash the ambulance into the house. Hans is running away. I think it's about to come on screen here. And uh, Rumsfeld's like, you're something like, you're not getting away or whatever. Did, have you guys, like this scene here, if you analyze this for me, was this there intentional or a mistake? He runs away and Rumsfeld, he it, he doesn't just go tackle him. Like in a normal movie, no. he's running, Rumsfeld tackles him. Instead, he slips, he gets up, Rumsfeld slips, and yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just really good slapstick. It slaps, it's, great it's great slapstick. slapstick. It is. You're totally. I actually did notice that, and I thought it was just maybe like a stunt thing where you would slide tackle versus full tackle. That but, seems like a hard the, scene to do because the timing has I, to be just right. But the right. best part was uh, yeah. like the first guy slides on the wet grass, and then the second guy slides on the yeah. second grass, and it just happened to be an accidental. He tackles I, him too. I think it was intentional but just yeah. really well done in really another movie well done. The, in another movie there's four cuts 
on yeah, that scene. Sure, sure, sure. When you have yeah. one, when you have one scene, it's so much funnier. All right, guys, we're to my last slow burn here. Um, I love this. Is something that I never see anymore. And please, I hope there's a new movie that proves me wrong. But I love when the credits like show a clip of the performance with the actor's I do too. name. I love that. Just mm-hmm. a, the, a brief shot of the you know the actor and then their name and then move to the Carrie next Fisher, one, next Tom one. Hanks. It's, yeah, I, it's, so I, I, good. it's so classy. Did that just feels really classy that? as hell. And they all do they? Uh, uh, Daisy Confused does that, I think, at the end. I can't remember. I don't. I've always I, I just this. love that because it's, it make it, it takes you on yeah. a little like walk back through the. movie. Do they break the fourth wall too, or is it just another? Scene? No. Confused? no, it's just no. a scene, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, I love that. I, I just I think that's really, cool. really and you nice. don't you don't see it anymore. This reminds me of the end of Die Hard. Yes. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Oh, yeah, totally, yes. it totally does. Yeah, that's just kind so of good. the. Yeah, look, kind of look at all the away with the you got your you got the woman and you're yeah. just kind of walking away from the scene. Yeah. Do you guys notice yeah. how many people are in this scene? All the neighbors are riding their bikes to come see what's going on. This lady with the luggage, like the wife, comes back. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I also we didn't talk about Rumsfeld's wife is just a fox, yeah. like, and that's so on brand for him. I feel like totally, totally. Also, you guys remember the scene when uh, when when Carrie Fisher's had enough and and uh, Ray's up up like on the balcony and they're like can can Ray come out can Ray come out and play <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's like not until he resembles the man I married and Art's like we don't have that kind of time <laughs> yeah, yeah. good line really good line I forgot to mention that uh, guys my last my last thing I want to say about this movie is I've got a hot take here mm-hmm. um, I don't think Ray ever wakes up from his nightmare mm. you remember he has the nightmare yeah yeah it's a yeah, long yeah, nightmare yeah. The movie, the, the camera zooms into his mouth, and you do not have that scene that you every other movie has where the person wakes up from the nightmare. Jolt yeah, right, right. You right. literally yeah. have a very slow kind of fade to a scene and kind of yeah. slow pan over to, to this delirious sort of Tom yeah. Hanks um, drinking orange juice in bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm thinking, and I actually, this time I watched it, I was thinking, oh, he's in a nightmare in a nightmare. Like he's gonna, mm-hmm. he's actually gonna wake up here soon, and he doesn't. Yeah. And then everything in the movie after that's absurd. My hot take. I mean, yeah, he never wakes up from the nightmare, and everything after that is is does not actually happen. Now, I would say that the the kind of him getting into the nightmare is very ambiguous as well. So, getting in and out, I think I I could say. But anyways, I I don't agree with that's what happened. But I love that thought. That is a great. I think that's a really great thought. Thank you. Yeah, I have a theory that uh, Corey Feldman is telling the whole story, and it's just from his point of view. Yeah, mm. so he's that's embellishing why it, everything. Yeah, embellishing oh, everything. because he is that's extreme. Real, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's also why, why everyone's out on their front lawns all uh-huh. the time because that's sure. what he observes. He's maybe recounting the story sure. to somebody yeah. in the from I, the past. I, I feel like he was a little bit better established. Like right. he started the film. Like he was the yeah. first character you see. Yeah, like yeah. Ray starts could, the film. The right, whole thing yes. starts I could buy Ray. that a little more, but yeah. I think that's really interesting too. Yeah, like Ferris Bueller, something like that. So maybe it's Corey Feldman's nightmare. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or recollection of a terrible idea that he just doesn't remember. That's great. All right, any more slow burning, guys? Did we burn it down tonight? I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys. Yeah. Growing up, who was the Kochex? What is his name? Klopek. Klopek. God, how, oh, God. The, how, how do you, can you guys, <laughs> guys not guys, I only asked one time. Name. I only what, asked once. What is it, Kopex? <laughs> They're Polish, right? Yeah. Klopek, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Uh, who, who are Klopex? Dis, don't, you don't have to say their names if you knew it. <laughs> oh, I but, will. Like, <laughs> Uh, describe the person in your neighborhood that was like the mystery people that were the weirdos. Well, there was a very scary lady that lived nearby. Her name is Cordy. And (laughs) when we walked onto her front lawn, she used to like blow the siren and like yell at us to get off her lawn from inside her house. We couldn't see her. And it was, it kind of became a meme. Hmm. Yeah. I grew up in a little different in Pleasantville. I was, oh yeah. 
West, yeah, I, West Indy, motherfucker. It was yeah. rough. Yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> I, grew, I grew up in West Indy. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Yeah, you guys lived near each other, right? Wait, where yeah. did you grow up? I grew up um, at like 10th and uh, girl school. Okay, okay. That's, that's so kind of by that Burger King. That, well, I, I grew up in West Indianapolis, the oh, neighborhood. Yeah. Nice. Morrison Harding. Well, I might have the best example of this movie, and it hit home because we had neighbors, the, uh, the Harmons. My dad grew up with a lot of the siblings, uh, but they owned a rundown, disgusting-looking house, and they own hundreds of acres here in Zionsville. So they're worth a large amount of money in this town. So it's funny that their house burned down to the ground, and they moved into their second shanty-style house down the street, and they still live there today. So you grew up, where'd you grow up? Here in Zionsville. Zionsville. And Nick, where'd you grow up? Pleasantville? Yeah, Pleasantville, yeah. But where exactly in Pleasantville? Yeah, northeast side of Indy. Northeast Mm -hmm. side of Indy. So, so from so from 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 hardest core least to most, it goes Grizz, Nick, Ben, me. That's fair. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mine, mine was just the neighbor across the street had like cars in his yard all the time that were never working. Oh, for sure. Um, their dogs were always outside. Um, they never came outside, and so like all of the neighborhood kids were like scared of them. Yeah, and we. So, so never this sounds like four out of five of the current houses in my neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, but it's a lot of cars to, that don't work. Dude, yeah. this movie, this movie was awesome. I loved it so much. But like, just thinking of the Harmons the whole time of how much we looked at them, and like, I still wave to them to this day, and they still work their farm. And it's it's just weird to see somebody that lives in this disgusting, just like dilapidated home, it, just like they do, and that you're just like, it's just a mystery to like, all right, what are they like on the inside of that house? Like, oh. I'm sure they're lovely people. Oh, lovely. they're really wonderful people. Their, their name yeah. starts with Harm. So yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Might be well, a little skeptical. Harmony. Harmony. Okay. Hey, there <laughs> okay. you go. Anyway, anyway. Our resident way to, copywriter. Way to, way to flip the yeah, way to glass half full it. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, everyone who made it this far on the episode. We really appreciate you you listening. Um, we, we love you very much. And, and we are going to do another episode. We always threaten to do another episode. And we are going to do another episode. And that episode is going to be on a movie that I think we're going to have some passionate, could I even say maybe on fire opinions about we might be a little on fire for this film we'll see but it's going to be the tony scott film we finally get to talk about denzel yes we get to talk and tony scott Mm. which i'm i'm hyped about both quite frankly we're going to be talking about man on fire Mm. and i'm excited Mm -hmm. i'm excited so uh next episode that's what we'll be chatting about um you can see us on uh or, or connect with us or or talk with us on social media at HTTP <laughs> colons double black slash www.instagram.com backslash critical mess crew. Critical mess crew. Critical mess crew. Critical mess crew. So holler at us. Um, leave a comment. We'll, we'll read it. And you can see some of we'll read it. absolutely stunning graphic design, man. It's yeah, this just, guy's got it's talent, people. Beast for the Photos of you guys. There. Yeah, nice pictures. As good as Nick's descriptions of our episodes are, Grizz's, Grizz's design work is. I don't know why I'm here. It's good shit. It's good shit. I got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We really appreciate you listening, and we're going to uh, catch you on the flip. Later. See ya. See ya.